Welcome to the 317th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on January 2nd, 2023. It's a new year, folks. But my name is still Brad Galloway. I am still the editor of GameCritics.com, and I am still 5% of this here show. And with me, still, is the man who's taking a look back at 2022, Carlos Rodella. I am still Carlos Rodella. You are still Carlos Rodella. Yes, yes. you are. Uh, and we are looking back at 2022. A lot of games. Holy smokes. It's the game of the year show. It is a look back. It's an encapsulation of the last 12 months that just ended. So I always look forward to the show, Carlos. Are you excited about today's show? Yeah. I mean, it just reminds us of not only the games, but the memories, you yeah. know? And like, I know that sounds kind of corny, but even just the memories of us talking about the games, which is to me is part of the experience. I mean, I didn't count them exactly, but we probably did. I mean, we probably did 52 shows last year, uh, you know, 51 or 52, depending on how the days fell. So there's a lot of memories to look back on. There's probably a lot of clips we could do, a lot of games we picked. I mean, I would be interested to know exactly how many games that you and I combined covered in 2022, because there's no way that we could cover them all in a wrap up today, nor nor do they all deserve it. Uh, but it would be interesting to see. Out of everything that we played, how many games are we still talking about right now? Fraction of a fraction, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. I think we looked at it a few episodes ago that we, we definitely played 300 plus games. Yeah. You yeah. know, each Pretty of nuts. us. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we're not going to get to all 300, nor will we want to, but we are going to get to a pretty fair number. Uh, I say we jump right into it, although uh, we do have a little bit of housekeeping this week. As everyone knows, Carlos and I do share a virtual living space divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape. And even on this Game of the Year show, there are some things to discuss. So let's get this housekeeping out of the way before we get to the main event. Carlos, what you got? Yeah, there's some boxes in here, even though the game of the year is like, you know, there's balloons everywhere. There's streamers. Push too much confetti, dude. You never get rid of the confetti. There's a lot of confetti on the floor. I'm pushing all that aside because there are a couple of boxes still in here. And one of them is just a roguelike I wanted to mention because, A, I used to never play roguelikes until this podcast. <laughs> and you. Uh, and ruined I, you. You did. Um, I got into some of them. Some of them I still hate. But this one's really good and, and, and it deserves a shout out. Um, I saw it in the store for a while, and I finally picked it up. It's called Wally and the Fantastic Predators. What? I've never heard of this one. How did I not hear? Is this PC only? No, it's on my PS5 slash PS4. Huh. I thought I knew every roguelike. I'm going to look this one up. Look it up and see if it's on the Xbox uh, or Switch. Uh, it'd be great on the Switch, actually. So why it got caught my attention is because it looked like a chill roguelike. Um, we had just played a game. I forgot which one it was, where you couldn't do the right analog stick as shooting. And I was like, man, I want that twin stick shooter. Oh, yeah, again. that was uh, which, which something. Which, yeah, um, and you couldn't use it the way we wanted to, right? Exactly, you couldn't customize. Right yes. analog. So this is that, right? So the right analog does shoot. All I have to do is hold in a direction and it shoots. You also can use a trigger button to slash with a sword if you have it. Um, and then you can switch between weapons. And the reason why, again, it, it caught my mind besides that is because the trailer was kind of funny and it's almost like breaking the fourth wall. Like they were like, we made this roguelike for you. And um, and we have a lot of different modes and check it out. And it was just kind of comical. And then I also noticed a cutscene where like one of the upgrades is you hugging a fox and you have to hug it and it gives you something. And I was like, I'm in. Oh, just like real life. <laughs> just like real life. I hug foxes all the time and I get tons That's of where you get the best stuff. Yeah. 
So anyways, it's really fun. I'm glad I picked it up. Um, it has many modes. And the reason why I love it so much is in the very menu area, you kind of walk around this hub area. You talk to supposedly the creator, who's this little character. Of the game? Of the game. Oh, and gotcha, the, okay. and the, characters, the character slash creator is like, yeah, so I made this mode where like you have swords and boomerangs and like it's super easy. And if I was a better game developer, like, you know, I would say we're not make we're not keeping this in the game and you have to like get good or whatever. And he goes, but fuck that. I kept it in the game. And he goes, sometimes you just like get home from a hard day's work and you just want to chill and you don't want to like, you know, try too hard. So I kept it in the game. Here it is. That's like fucking every day for me, dude. Right. It's every day for a lot of us. And so I'm like, dude, you're speaking my language. So not only is a regular mode, a hard mode, a couple other modes, there's a co-op mode. There's also these really cool kind of chill modes. It's literally called chill mode, actually, one of them. Oh, nice. Yeah. And there's one mode that's called, like, you know, swords and boomerangs or something. Dude, I'm telling you, it is fucking fun. I still haven't beaten it, you know, gone through a whole run yet, but I don't care. It's like, it's just so chill. And in Hmm. the easier mode, you definitely learn a bit more, like how to use all the dodge and stuff. And there's so many power-ups. I could talk all episode just about this roguelike because it's I mean, really a mark deep. of a good roguelike right there yeah it's super deep dude like just now before i this podcast i got a random power up which by the way some of the power ups you have to drink and have to hold the a button down and you drink the little drink and it was just me whenever like i got close to an enemy or something i started bouncing around the screen and just like damaging everybody oh that's funny uh, anyways i can't it's so cool while it must I, be a pretty the small game predators, I haven't heard anything about this. I didn't get any PR about this. I mean, is it just like a, a guy putting out this game on his own or something? I think no so. I mean, he's okay. he's in the game. Supposedly what, the developer is. Did you just randomly see this like in the PlayStation Store or something? Yeah, and again, the trailer sold me because it had like these, you know, cool little things that were funny. And All right. Well, this sounds like a win. I'll check it out as soon as we get done with this uh, recording. Check it, it out. Like something right up my alley. Yeah. I will check it out. And it's also it's co-op fun. too. Right. Nice. Nice. All right. Um, what else you got? And also, I just mentioned real quick, I thought that was cool. Um, Skill Up on YouTube uh, always covers games and stuff. He was doing his 2022 wrap up. And one of his things he did a shout out to made me like my heart warm. Was it me? Not Brad, not me. Damn it. I know. It was magazines. Oh, it's just like you did. Yeah. And uh, maybe he did it because he saw you say it. He might have heard our show. Oh, snap. Hey, that's just a shout out. I don't care. But anyways, he was mentioning Edge Magazine, which I love and haven't gotten a, a copy in a while. And, you know, you, you just get get subscriptions. But the idea that he brought up, I just want to say to all of our listeners, is kind of articulated better than I was doing it, is when you open a magazine, you know, you don't know what you're going to get story-wise, right? And yeah. nowadays, we have so many algorithms and homepages that tell us what they think we want because they're just watching our every move. But that's why I love magazines is you don't know what the fuck you're going to get. Like a whole deep dive on a studio that you never heard of or uh, a new game, but like a different take on it, you know, whatever. So I just thought it was a really cool take on why magazines are still fucking awesome. And I'm going to subscribe to one. Right on. Right on. That's a great thing. I love used to love magazines a lot back in the day. I don't subscribe to any anymore because I just don't have time or anything. But uh, I still think magazines are great. I I think they should be a thing that continues to exist. Yes. That's actually it. I only have those two little boxes. Oh, okay, great. Um, the only one that I have for today, uh, just a quick shout out to a friend of the show, John, and also his podcast, which is a 
podcast friend of our podcast? Our podcast, podcast friends? friends, yeah. Maybe. I don't know if they are friends or not. Maybe in some weird alternate dimension they are. But shout out to uh, Gaming in the Wild. Uh, I just recently guest starred on John's show. He invited me on. So lovely. Thanks for having me on. And we talked about just 2022. We did top games. Um, it is a different show than what we're doing today. Uh, we did not go over like what my top pick of the year was or anything like that. We just talked about like games that people might have missed and other trends and stuff. And we did go through a list of games, disappointments and such. But it's a different show than what you're hearing today. So if you want more from me or if you haven't tried gaming in the wild, I definitely recommend it. It's a great show. John is like the uh, what is he? The, the golden ASMR of podcasts, I guess. Yes. You know we call him. Love that voice, especially when he's mad. The, when the mad calm voice is the best John voice ever. Um, but good show, so check it out, Gaming in the Wild. And thanks again to John for having me on. And if you want more uh, from me about uh, 2022, you can go there and get a little bit more. Check it out. Check it out. All right. Now, we have a lot of stuff in front of us here, Carlos. We've got an entire year's worth of stuff to talk about. Um, but I think, given that we are the ray of sunshine that people know us to be, that we are the super positive dudes that we always are, I think we should probably start off this show uh, with our biggest disappointments of the year, get it out of the way. Let's talk about it. Let's get the vitriol out. Let's get the venom out. Yeah. And then we're going to just put it aside and it's all just going to be uphill and smiles and happy face, thumbs up emojis and so forth and so on. What do you think? That's a good way to do it. Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. I just got done talking. Why don't we go to you, Carlos? Uh, biggest disappointments of 2022. I've got maybe like five. How many do you got? I have, I guess, four. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's kick it off with you then. Why don't you start and then I'll go and then you go, then I'll go. go well, I'll it. do one that I know is on your list. I mean, <laughs> it should be. Uh, I know we were both disappointed by it and we uh, talked about got, it on the show. I know show. exactly what you're going to say. No, exactly what you're going to say. The Last Aura Crew. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to oh, say. Oh, <laughs> really? Well, there's I, another one. I agree one. with you though. There's okay. another one. Yes, there is. Yeah, that one is this game where like, I played a demo of it a long time ago and just the style of game I thought it was is not what it turned out to be because as we talked about on the show, um, I thought it was going to be more of a Mass Effect, uh, you know, third-person RPG action game with uh, big choices, which they really, you know, touted as, like, you make choices and it changes, like, the whole world and stuff and different factions. And to their point, like, it did – I did do a different kind of run uh, when I did play it than, you know, there's multiple different paths, and I sided with the rat kingdom and stuff like that. Yes, the animal people. But at the same time, it's – you know, two souls like in the, all the wrong ways, I think. And I just had a nope out because the difficulty spikes were weird. Um, like we talked about on the show, the enemy's refreshing. It doesn't seem to even fit the narrative because this is kind of a decision-making adventure RPG. So, yeah, it was a disappointment for me, which really sucks. That's a really good pick, dude. The Last Aura Crew. Yeah, we were both looking forward to it. And it's funny you bring this up because they actually just did a big patch and a number of fixes. And I was really curious because I was like, oh, maybe they listened to our show where we put out a plea to the developers to save their game in the way that we wanted them to save it. Yeah. Uh, they did not. They totally did not. Um, I don't know if that was too difficult or maybe they just don't feel like they want to. But the fixes they put in, they look like cool fixes, but it didn't really address any of the core problems we had. Like you said... The, this game is just too Souls-like for its own good, and this it's not appropriately Souls-like, which sucks because if with just a few tweaks, and if they got rid of some of that Soul stuff that doesn't fit, I think this would be a really fun kind of a Euro janky sort of RPG to play through. I would totally play through this if they if they just tweaked a couple things, but they did not. Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. All right, let me give you a couple here, and then we'll go back to you. Uh, number one, Silt. 
Silt, the uh, 2D, really black heavy uh, scuba diver game that kind of mm-hmm. looks like um, Limbo underwater, sort of. Yes. Uh, loved the look of this one. The visuals is what got me interested. The art was fabulous. I mean, it was. The art was super cool, enigmatic, and just really kind of nice and creepy. Um, but unfortunately, the gameplay just wasn't, I guess, wasn't what I was expecting. But also, I just don't think it was very good gameplay either, to be perfectly frank. Most of the game was you body swapping your spirit uh, so that you would possess fish. And that <laughs> it's kind of a funny, it's funny thing to say out loud is like you just possess fish throughout the whole game. But you do. And I just I really didn't think the game was that compelling. I kind of was expecting it to be uh, just something else, maybe like more focused on the scuba diver himself. Uh, and maybe getting different powers or something like that. But it just, it was very obtuse, puzzly, and you spent a lot of time being fish that were not you. And I just, it just didn't didn't grab me the way I, I thought it would based on the art. So that was kind of a bummer. Yeah, and on the trailer too, because I played it as well. I think I just played the demo. But yeah. the trailer had this, such a mood, you know, and it felt like Limbo and stuff. But then when I actually, the gameplay itself, yeah, I didn't enjoy switching to fishes. Yeah, it's not as cool to be like a weird, like warping stingray when you actually want to be like a diver battling cthulhu monsters under underwater so yeah oh well anyway the other disappointment this one actually really got me in the gut this one hurt uh, a lot uh vampire the masquerade swan song oh yeah uh, yeah this is the one that was from the people who developed the council and i love the council i think the council is fucking brilliant if you haven't played the council and you're listening to the show you need to go play the council even if you don't like it i think that it's undeniable that they are really pushing the uh telltale narrative game forward in a lot of ways and i think it's really um just really innovative and really interesting um unfortunately uh the council was a couple years ago and i was really looking forward to what they were going to do next and when i heard that they were taking their gameplay and merging it with the vampire the masquerade universe which i'm not you know i'm not like a vampire stan but i've enjoyed many vampire games and i think it's a good setting uh i was very excited uh but unfortunately it just the whole thing just went sideways um too many obtuse puzzles Many of the levels just dragged on for way too long. Like there was places where you just had to find too many things and had to take too many steps. And just the pace of it was really off. Um, A good idea to try to switch between three different protagonists. I think that's a solid idea. But just in general, it just didn't have the pep and the zing. It wasn't punchy enough. And it didn't really focus on the parts that I thought were the most interesting. So I don't know what happened there. Mm. Um, But I would still recommend the council. And I would certainly recommend the council over this one. But God, what a bummer. I was so excited for this one. And it just did not pop. I know you like everything in that series, generally. Yeah, I do. I do. But oh, well, that one was a miss. Uh, What else from you, Carlos? What's another miss from you? Well, some of these are controversial. Um, The first one that's not controversial, I think you understand. Uh, even though I played a lot of it, is Steel Rising. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I played a lot of it, too, and I think I'm with you. Because I was looking at my... Um, we didn't, we're not going to do this episode, but I did find my Steam wrap-up for the year. They, oh, okay, They did cool. the same thing as well. Yeah. And on there, one of the games I played a lot was Steel Rising. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did play a shit ton of that. Yeah, we talked about it a couple times, too. We did. It, it's basically um, the developer behind Greedfall, Spiders, right? Spiders. Love Spiders. Love them, love Greedfall. Uh, and I like this idea, which was, you know, playing this robot in this um, alternate history kind of game, but it has Dark Souls, you know, basically yes. Uh, yes. gameplay. And even though it's Dark Souls light at times, um, it yeah, those refreshing of enemies and the slow uh, build up for upgrades, like you can never find enough stuff to actually upgrade anything. Oh, man, I'm so over that. Dude. Yeah, it just seemed like it was a slog and I enjoyed what I was doing, but I couldn't do it enough. If that makes sense. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I know ex- exactly what you're talking about. I had the exact same problem. I thought this game 
was very cool. I mean, you're like a clockwork cyborg in, uh, I don't know, like revolutionary France. How fucking cool is that as an idea? It That's is. an amazing idea. But yeah. yeah, scrounging for materials, couldn't really switch between weapons. That's actually something that I wish the entire Souls-like genre would just ditch. Let's, let us play with the weapons. Let us upgrade the weapons because... They always make such interesting weapons, and I want to experiment with one. And that's really where the fun is, is playing with the weapons. So getting locked into something and having to, like, upgrade it for the entire length of the game because you can't find materials is a fucking drag. Yeah. Dude, it's such a drag. The other one, real quick, is uh, Immortality. Ooh, okay. I'm with you. Just because I know we both didn't like it, and we talked about it on the show, and a ton of people gave it 10 out of 10, and they love it. Which is um, weird to me. It is kind of weird. Really weird to me. I like the performances, and I like the idea of an indie you know, film in a game or whatever. But again, the gameplay itself is not fun to me. I don't like going through all these little, uh, j- literally jumping through hoops, you know, and jumping through like little Fast pixels. forward, rewind through video yeah. clips. Yeah. And, and uh, even if the stuff there was great and performed well, I just couldn't deal with it. So, I mean, same. I, didn't, I can't say it's a disappointment because I didn't like the other two games either, uh, which was Her Story and what was the other one that came out after that? Uh, whatever oh, yeah. it doesn't matter mm-hmm. they were all they're all kind of the same thing he just keeps the the creative director just keeps riffing off of the same fast forwarding through video clips thing and it just i just find it so fucking boring dude i just don't when people tell me about these games i'm like oh that sounds really cool i want to check it out and then i check it out and i'm like oh god this is so boring i don't want to play this well so the yeah. only reason i'll say is why is disappointment is because i heard through the grapevine of like some really cool things in that game. Same. Right? Same. Some yeah. footage that's really awesome and some ideas and concepts. So that's why it's disappointment because I don't really want to suffer through the scenes to get to it. So Yeah. yeah. I just, yeah, I, I can't. When people, like I said, people tell me about it. I'm like, that sounds great. And when I get to play it, I'm like, I don't want to be anywhere near this. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. I realize I have two more. So do you have, how many more do you have? I've got one, two, three point five more. Okay. You do a, a, another. Let me do two here. Two, Let me do yeah. two here. Uh, this one, I you may not dis- you may not agree with me on this one, and I know this is probably my this is my most controversial game pick. I have one that's not a game. We're going to get to just before the end of the segment. Uh, but Cult of the Lamb, I felt like was a big disappointment for me. Wow, um, I think the art was amazing. I love the concept. Uh, I think the you know the style, the you know just having a, a base building aspect merged with a roguelike aspect. We're always talking about we want permanence and progression, so I think that's great. But honestly, the combat was just not deep enough. I felt like there wasn't enough power-ups. There wasn't enough diversity in the play. And when you're playing a roguelike, you've got to have diversity in each run. Like, that's what really sells it. So the stuff happening back at your base just started to feel like just a grind to me. And playing the levels, it just it just wasn't fun enough for me to want to keep doing these over and over. So I think it was a great idea, and I really wanted to love it more than I did. Because um, I usually like dark stuff, occult stuff, and I love roguelikes, and I love uh, base building. And so that seemed like it all was checking those boxes, but it just did not come together for me. I, it really kind of really lost me about halfway through. Well, that's the most uh, opposite um, game on this list then for today, because that game might show up again on my list, but a different oh, kind of list. snap. Well, you know how I feel about it now. Foreshadowing. Well, I'm not going to like you know, spend my time talking about it now because I'll talk about it later. But everybody has their own opinion. Subjectivity. That's, That's um, exactly why we're doing this show. I will actually agree with you and say that the only thing that I didn't like is that weapon. Well, because it, remember, it's random, too. Yeah. So you upgrade, but then you just randomly get one of those weapons. And if you get yeah. a bad weapon, your run might be fucked, you know, yeah. that whole time. Yeah. So exactly. I agree with that part of it. But we'll talk about that later. 
here's one that I think you will probably agree with me more about. And I know I, I feel like we're probably on the same page about this one. And we were both excited for it. Uh, Cursed to golf. Disappointing. Oh, to me. I guess it is. This is disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. We were both really looking forward to this one. A supernaturally themed golf game where you have to golf in the afterlife. We both saw the trailer. It was from uh, 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 Kinsey's company. And we were all we, we, we pimped it a couple times on the show. And when we got our hands on it, I think we both we both noped out pretty quickly. I think it was unexpectedly um, vertical, which is really strange for a golf game. And I don't feel like the game's camera was able to keep up with the verticality of it. Uh, I just feel like that was a really fundamental problem with how that game played. Uh, and there's a real heavy focus on tricks, which is fine. It kind of reminded me a little bit of something like uh, Kirby's Dream Course or something like that, which is which is fun. But just like the limited camera view really killed a lot of that for me. And I felt like it was kind of too brutal in some places, just yeah, just really too hard. And I just like like you said earlier, sometimes I just want to chill. And I felt like this was going to be a chill game and it was really not a chill game. At least when I played it, it wasn't right. Left to right or like horizontal courses would have changed my whole opinion on it because it's almost like a Metroidvania in a way. Right? Oh God, Metroidvania golf, it's a whole new genre. It yeah. kind of was because like you had to like go certain paths and then go back sometimes. You know, like I feel like I went backwards, like I backtracked with my golf ball. So, yeah, um, yeah. Or they had like very specific ways that you probably should do it and any other way would be difficult. Yeah. And so if you failed, and this is a, this is a breakdown because it's not like we want to hate it because we wanted to love it. But if you like failed at an area you might be screwed for that whole course, you know, because you, yeah. you're just it's hard to come back from it. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. God, and just seeing just seeing how much you had to get through to beat the game. It was like spirit crushing to me. I took one <laughs> look at that and I'm like, oh, I'm never going to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What do you what else you got? Well, here's one that's not too controversial, but kind of controversial. Again, a game that got tens out of tens, tens out of tens, one ten out of ten, one ten. Uh, and a couple places. <laughs> but Pentiment. Oh, you know, I I haven't played that one yet. I know that you talked about it, and I know that a lot of people like it. I haven't touched it yet, so I have no idea. But tell me why it was disappointing. Well, like I said in the show, I love the concept. I like any game that, you know, it doesn't have to be about combat, and it's a story-driven game, medieval times. You play as a character, um, you know, going through this world and really just kind of learning about real history uh, and making choices along the way. And you have a, a certain allotment of time each day to do stuff and talk to people. That's part of the thing I didn't like and the fact that, like, this is this massive world they built, but they want you to have an experience that's, you know, kind of unique, which is cool. But then I can't do everything. You know, I can't like go yeah. check to yeah. talk to everybody. And then at some point it just became, I don't want to say a slog, but kind of because all the choices I was making weren't making massive ripples. And so it's kind of just like a book in a way, which shouldn't be a bad thing because I like new ways of games you know i like new types of genres and stuff like that but i just got bored and then even like near the end i think i didn't finish finish but it, it like this is not too much of a spoiler but it jumps forward in time a little bit mm-hmm. and you you still don't really see the ripples of your choices it's almost like it's just experiencing it like going through and like like a day in the life of this dude yeah or something like that. exactly yeah. so yeah. it's not like that's terrible but i guess my uh my expectations were off sure well i mean that's exactly the definition of a disappointment right you were looking right. forward to something and it, it didn't give what you wanted and there you go you're disappointed it makes perfect sense yeah uh was that your last one i have one that i just put on the list okay, as we ahead. were go talking go for it this is controversial okay this happened because of last night 
So last night, what last, night last night I booted up a game. Let's see if you can guess what it is. Okay. Last night I booted up a game because I was hungry for games. Okay. One player, single player adventure that I could get in and just lose myself in. And sure, I was like, oh jam. yeah, that's my yep. jam. And I was like, oh yeah, there's a game like that. Huge AAA title that I haven't beaten yet. Is, Let- is it Horizon? It sure is. Oh, I guessed it. Yeah. <laughs> and I uh, love Horizon Zero Dawn. Beat it. Beat all the DLC. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West is more beautiful. Uh, just breathtaking, right? I remember mentioning it on the show saying, like, it's the coolest looking graphics I've ever seen, which is still true. I went back to it, turned it on, 4K TV. It's amazing. But the two things they did, I think, that hurt, hurt it. And I, I stopped playing last night. Which wow, is in, crazy. After like one session? Oh, yeah. Like, I might delete. I think I'm deleting it. Oh, like, it's over. shit, dude. What? Because, okay. one, they, they every single fucking second you go anywhere, there's a new side mission. And I know. You say you don't have to do it, but they make it very compelling to do it, right? Right, right. Um, secondly, uh, I think if there's like five modes for difficulty. I had it on normal for a while. But, again, I've been doing everything I should be doing along the missions, and I'm not leveled up enough, right? Which just mm. feels like an RPG. Yeah. So I get to the Thunderclaw, which is one of these huge robot dinosaurs, and it just decimates me. Like, I don't even have a chance, dude. I don't even right. have a chance. Right. So I right. switch it down to easy. This mm-hmm. is last night. And the Thunderclaw, whatever it was, like, I got a little bit more damage on him. But again, it shot its same cannons, which they didn't change, even on easy mode, and decimated. Gone. Oh, wow. In seconds. And so then I switched it to, by the way, there's, underneath easy, there's story. <laughs> I, and I, I don't understand why I have to do that. But So I put it to story, and I was able to beat him, but he still gave me a run for my money, and they just made like the damage on him that I shot like more, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, I'm mean, like, fuck that. Okay, so that's the first part. Even though it's on story right now, they make it, It's I think it's too difficult. And then secondly... They go, you have to go to this one place, and it just seems like almost like the golf game. So daunting. Because after that, there's two more places. And after that, there's a place that's not even on the planet. And after that, you know what I mean? It just seems like it's never going to fucking end. There's a million side missions. <laughs> just overwhelmed you from the get-go, huh? Yes, and it's just like that Far Cry thing, too, right? Like a million outposts. And I know you should say, like, oh, I don't have to do them. But they set them all up perfectly that if you don't, then you don't get the upgrades, you know, or you can't work on your armor. Right. And I also right. realized that I hated the the skill system. I hated the skill tree. <laughs> I hated all the weaving in my armor. I think so, I fucking so hate ask, it. Let me ask you then. So you just said that you loved the first Horizon. Is it that different? Because I haven't played. I mean, just to put my cards on the table here, I did not like the first Horizon Zero Dawn. I had a problem with its difficulty. I thought that game was way too hard. If you didn't grind out a bunch, yep. um, I got stuck halfway through. Got my ass kicked repeatedly, and I didn't want to grind, and so I just quit. Uh, but I had other problems with it as well. Not my favorite franchise. But you liked it a lot more than I did, and I've been hearing people say that if you like number one, you're going to like number two. You love number one, so is it really that different, or do you just feel like you're just you've had the experience and you're moving on? That's the that's really the answer, and I think this we never talk about this in the show enough. Um, but when you watch a really good movie, it's a perfect example, and they make another one too. You know, like, yeah. name of movie two. And you're like, do you really need that? Because I got what you were trying to say. Well, Last of Us comes to mind. Anywho. Uh, big um, time. Big yeah. time. And so I think it's a lot of that because, one, I feel like it was a shorter game. I mean, I played so much of that, and I went back to it just now, and I looked at all my hours in it. 
and it was like, you've got a ways to go, motherfucker. And I don't know. I just feel like I burned through Horizon so much faster. The DLC was short. So that's the first part. I think it was, I don't know, a a more um, smaller experience. But then secondly, it's just, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. I get it. Like, they're just retreading the same yeah, thing like more of the same we want to save the planet again you know and she's gonna be the only person to do it we get it sure you know sure so yeah i think i'm fucking done and it's just that's a disappointment wow wow interesting okay all right cool is that your last one that's it it just happened last night there you i've go. got i've got one game disappointment and i've got one tv disappointment um i wasn't gonna throw it in there but i kind of have to so first this one the game may be controversial to you uh probably will be based on what i remember you saying last time uh, but I have to put one of the biggest disappointments, possibly the biggest for me this year. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, if you say Stray, no, I'm leaving no, the podcast forever. No, no, no. Okay. No, I didn't, okay. I didn't have any expectations for Stray, Ooh. so it can't be a disappointment. Okay. Uh, Death Verse, Let It Die. I was so bummed by this. I know you kind of came around on it last time we talked about it, but mm-hmm. as someone who spent like probably two or 300 hours in the first one, did everything in the first one, I repped it on multiple podcasts. I wrote a, like a guide for it. I'm, I was friends with the developer. Like I, I, my, my wife's instant pot has uncle death on it. Like literally like we, we decorated our home with uncle death and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anybody loved let it die more than I did. Uh, and I was psyched. I was so psyched to, to have another one. I, it's been too long. Right. Um, but instead of doing what they did last time and just kind of expanding on it and making it deeper and richer, they went in a totally different direction. Instead of being a PVE, with a little bit of PvP, like they did the first time, just a touch, a sprinkling. They went, they leaned full on into PvP, and there's barely any PVE. And to me, that's that's just not what I want out of that franchise. It just really isn't. I don't want to fight people over and over in the same arenas. I don't want to grind out material because I know in my heart of hearts, I will never grind as much as some other people will. And so I will always be outclassed when it comes to the materials, the weapons and stuff. I'm just I'm just not gonna play it that much. And so if I know going into it that people who play more than me are already going to outclass me from square one, there's no reason for me to even play because I'm just, I'm never going to measure up. So mm. it's like, I love the world. I want to spend more time with uncle death. I love the style, the nihilism, everything about that universe. I love it. It's, it's on point for me, but that game just went totally the wrong direction. And there's no other mode in there that makes is satisfying to me. There's no do it on your own mode. There's no PVE mode. And it just was so, yeah. disappointing um i mean i don't know how it's doing i haven't checked on it but i have a i have to imagine it's probably not doing that well because i feel like the pvp space is pretty well locked down um and i'm just kind of afraid that this is probably going to be the last we'll ever see of this universe and that would be a real shame to me okay let me uh say a couple of things one yes. i agree with you wholeheartedly in the fact that i would have loved another like even though i didn't play it as much as you I enjoyed what it was doing which is the pve with a light p in there small p <laughs> small yes. p uh, but mainly about like you know going up levels and stuff like that and um, and yeah just seeing how far you can make it and you know I like the the combat and stuff like that so and I love the art aesthetic and the style just like you yeah yeah so and I loved what they did with Death Verse with that look of it you know it's definitely like really cool VHS quality oh, yeah. over top of it and cool designs so Super I, cool. I agree with you that I was disappointed in what it was which is basically just a battle royale game right that's what it is. Um, but I will say, because I did give it another shot, um, that two, well, well, a couple of things. One, I think they're going to be around for a while. I, every time I go in, there's a match right away. So there's a fuck ton of people playing it still. Um, it's not like just dying slowly or something. There's a lot of people playing it. Second, okay. Secondly, it isn't about, 
it's more like Fortnite in the fact that like uh it's more about just you getting good at like the mechanics than like grinding for stuff because i grinded a little bit and i had the battle pass and i wasn't getting shit like if anything i was getting a couple cosmetic things but i was still shit but you upgrade the weapons though right because you can evolve those weapons you if you can, don't evolve the weapons that there, makes it i mean it makes a difference it's very little difference right now from what i can see i mean maybe late late game but okay. everybody i'm losing to it's because i hit the wrong button like uh, th- that game I'll, not real quick to break it down but in the game of the year show, but you have a shield. Did you have a shield and let it die original? I don't think so. No. Okay. So that actually helps because even if you're a beginner, if you have the shield and they hit you, it can do, it does nothing to you. Right. And it, your shield slowly de- de- depletes if they hit you enough with, and with different types of attacks, like one attack can just knock off the shield totally, but most of the attacks can't. So almost everybody has a shot. And so that's why I do still go back to it sometimes because it, it I feel like you Everybody's got a shot. That's all I'm saying. So it's not what you think. I don't think it, you have to grind as much. I mean, I won first place in my first week, um, and there's also smaller matches, right? So it's like 30 people. Yeah, yeah. So you got sure. a shot at. It. I don't know. I don't think it's what you think it is, but I will also say I'm disappointed. So how about that? Yeah, I feel like. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like I got the the pretty good measure of it when I played for like I played it for about two days and a pretty a pretty good amount of time in it, and I just. It just wasn't what I wanted. It just isn't what I was looking for. It's not yeah. what I expected. So yep. regardless, I mean, if people like it, that's great. If you find some fun, more power to you. But for me, it just was like, man, that was just absolutely the wrong direction. So yeah, anyway, I get it. Um, last thing that we'll mention in the bummer before we get onto the good stuff. Uh, I have to say this, and this is going to piss a lot of people off. It's going to be really controversial. It's kind of like a little grenade I'm just going to toss into the show. I have to, though. I have to. Uh, I want to say that one of the biggest disappointments for me this year, and this is a TV show, has nothing to do with games. I know. I feel I, like I should have picked one now, but go ahead. I mean, if you think of one, go for it. Okay. Uh, is Andor on, on Disney Plus, the new Star Wars show. Everybody in my feed, like literally, I think I'm the only person, only person on planet Earth who doesn't think the show is like God's gift to TV viewers. But I... I get why people like it sort of because they most what people say is number one, it's speaking truth to power. Like people will say, I can't believe they're this is on the air. It's so direct. It's taking on fascism. It's taking on the politics of our country. I can't believe this show got made. And I'm like, cool. And I'm all for that because I am as anti-fascist as you can get. But I feel like this show is just really straightforward and really like kind of like a duh like i mean of course it's going to be anti-fascist otherwise it'd be propaganda so it it didn't feel like that much of a reach to me and people find that the characters are really compelling and the way that they broke it up into like mini movie arcs was really compelling and to me it was like all the opposite of what i like it felt like the momentum got lost every three episodes we repeated a lot of material that didn't be repeated i didn't have a lot of connection to the characters i found it a real slog to get through we didn't even finish i don't we got about halfway and my wife and i just both like couldn't take it anymore and it Mm. sucks because everybody literally everybody was like oh my god i can't believe you don't like the show oh my god best show on tv this is my number one show this year i can't believe you don't like the show what's wrong with you and i'm like i i mean if you guys like it cool but i found the show so fucking boring i mean i will say just to to put a nod to the anti-fascist stuff, and we mentioned this last episode, I feel like, speaking truth to power, I feel like Glass Onion did it way more effectively and way more entertainingly. Uh, so I'm all about that content in TV, for sure. We definitely need more of that. But for me, Andor was just like... It, not only was it a disappointment because I was really looking forward to a non-Skywalker Star Wars thing, mm-hmm. but it was also really perverse to me because the entire year I got hammered with, why don't you like this show? 
over and over and over and over and over from literally everyone I know. And it just, it became this like giant burr under my saddle. And I just like, it just pissed me off. A burr under your saddle. That's funny. Um, so I'll say two things. One, I never saw it. So I don't, I can't, I have no opinion. Uh, two, I don't really care to see it because I don't really want any more Star Wars. Um, yeah. I've just been done with it for a long time. Sure. We sure. grew up with it, you know? And the only thing that brought me back to Star Wars was Mandalorian. Um, because minus that fucking last episode, it wasn't about like the main characters, exactly. you know, it was yeah. about, well, you know, baby Yoda, but even that was a different take on Yoda. It was totally not even Yoda, right? It was this whole little cute thing you just liked. And I just really liked Mandalorian a lot. Mandalorian kicks ass, dude. Yeah. yeah. So that brought me back. But minus that, there's nothing that really I would want to go back to. Second thing you said that's really funny to me is that uh, January 15th or no, December 15th, I left Twitter. I'm keeping my account up because bots will take it over. So, but I'm not using it. Um, yeah. So it's sitting there. But I, it's been so refreshing not to have a feed that you just talked about um, <laughs> because I don't have that problem anymore. Like I don't have the... Like people saying, hey, what about this? What, you know, like you're just saying, all these people didn't like, you, you should like it. Yeah, I don't have a feed. I, I have, um, I jump on Mastodon sometimes. There's a, a server that's all about positivity. And I jump on that to say something cool or to like someone's picture of their animal or I don't know, coffee or something. And then I leave. But it's been very refreshing. Not make this about Twitter, but it's been very refreshing not to be on there. As a all public right. service announcement, I'm just saying. PSA, coming to you from Carlos. Yes. All right. Well, Anyways. Any more disappointments or is that no, it? No, let's get to fun stuff. All right, let's get to fun stuff. Let's get to the fun stuff. We have, of course, uh, my top 10, Carlos's top 10. Uh, we also have honorable mentions. But before we get to that, I just want to give just a quick mention about the state of the world and gameplay. Even though Carlos and I both played, I mean, pretty close to 300 games each this year, and we covered most of those or many of those on the show, uh, there is are so many games out there there are just so many games that you just you just don't have time for i mean we played i mean basically almost one game a day ish mm -hmm. and that's a crazy pace that's an insane pace to play games at and even with both of us going whole hog like that i mean there's a bunch of games i just didn't have time for i just had to like make executive decision i'm gonna play this one not gonna play this one sorry and i just maybe i'll get back to you maybe i won't because there just isn't enough time in the day so i want to give just a really quick shout out to many of the games that i wanted to play or that I thought had a pretty good shot of maybe being one of my top tens, but I just did not have time. Do you have any little quickies that you just didn't get around to, Carlos? Yeah, I have two. Okay, what do you got? Uh, first off, Stanley Parable Deluxe Edition. Oh, we just talked about that one a couple days ago. You didn't get yeah, around to that one? I didn't get around to that. Um, I think it's a little bit high-priced because I've already oh, played yeah. the game and beat it. Sure. But I've heard from enough people that it is almost like a whole other game because how much okay. content they put in. So I will play that in 2023. Okay. Uh, the only other one I have is one of the biggest ones in the world and probably would be on my game of the year list. But surprise, it's not uh, God of the War Ragnarok. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I like the God of War games. I don't think you do. I do. I do not like the newest one. No. Yeah. Um, so I did like that one. So I think I'm going to like this one, but I haven't played it. So that one is surprising off my list. It was a $70 purchase. Uh, we didn't get a code. And yeah, it was like near the end of the year and I have no money. So yeah. yeah holidays. Yeah. It's just rough. It's a, it's a big purchase. Yeah, for sure. So interesting. I will be curious to see what you think of it when you eventually get to it, because I wonder if it will be more of the stuff that you liked and it'll be a fun second ride or will it be horizon again oh, where it's like right. oh wait a minute i don't want any more of this right who knows you know right? what maybe that's why i subconsciously didn't find the money for it <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> i found the money for other games 
uh, you know, making freelance jobs just to get a game. I've done that before. Sure, um, sure. But yeah, I'm wondering, like subconsciously, I'm like, it is probably the same. It might be. We'll see. It might be. What about right. you? Um, I had a number of games that I had my eye on that I was really excited for, but I just could not find the time. And I give a, an apology to all of these games. Uh, well, one of them actually I found time for yesterday. Weird West, uh, which I'm playing, uh, I played about four hours into yesterday, yep. which for me is incredibly rare to put that many hours into a game in one day. But Weird West uh, has a lot of Fallout 1 from PC day kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm digging that. So Weird West, Neurodeck was one I was looking at, The Last Friend. As Dusk Falls, Road 96, Live Alive, or Live Alive, Live Alive. Wait a minute, Road 96 we talked about on this podcast. Road 96? I didn't finish it, though. Well, oh, this is not about finishing it. I thought it was just about playing. I played enough to talk about it in the show, but I didn't I didn't play enough to see if it was going to be in my uh, top 10. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, these are ones where, like, I wanted, you know, you got to know if you're going to pick one on your top 10. And yeah. these are like, I feel like I like this one. Got it. But you know what I mean? Uh, so Live Alive, uh, Pentiment, which you just talked about is your disappointment. I'm curious yeah. about that one. Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, Little Gator just came out. I had a lot of people recommend that one to me. Uh, Inscription, a lot of people recommending that to me. And I think you played it, didn't you, Inscription? I did. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe you didn't play it yet. You're going to really yep. enjoy that. I, I think I even bought it. I just haven't had time for it. Uh, Arcade Paradise is one that a lot of people have been recommending to me after the fact. Uh, Lost in Play, which I can't even remember what that was, but I wrote it down and I put stars and go ahead and check it out. So self, check it out. Don't remember what it is. Uh, Gerda, A Flame in Winter was a real treat for me. I didn't finish it. Another one of those where I really liked it a lot, but I wanted to finish before I could form my full opinion. Uh, so I want to come back to that one. Four Tales, which I thought was amazing, but I glitched out in level two and I couldn't get past it. Oh. And by the time the developers patched it, I, that was like 20 games in my rearview mirror. And uh, Beacon Pines, I had uh, one of the writers from Game Critics say that I absolutely should play this one, and I just did not have time. So these are all the games that that could have potentially been on my top ten. Might I probably would like these, I think, um, but I just didn't have time because we are, you know, we are uh, finite beings that do not live in the basement like vampires, and I don't get to play games forever for infinity. So well, I will say I can probably take one of those off your list, and which one? And I'm going to add it to my disappointment list, which is Ghostwire Tokyo. Did you play it? Did we talk about it? Yes, and we talked about it on the show. Did we? We, ta- we talk about every game. I don't um, even remember talking so about it. So I played the, the prequel, which was like this short story. It oh, like, yeah, there was a PSN prequel, right? Yeah, it was like a, it was like an interactive comic. And it was really yeah, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I played the actual game, and it's just an open world for no reason. Like, it's an open world that's not very open, meaning like you just collect things, and all the ghosts kind of look the same, and they're just spirits. And there's these really cool mainline like story parts that are like like graphically amazing but like there's few and far between like a lot of it's just like running around doing you know collect-a-thon yeah. so oh, it's like you just reminded me oh man okay. it's a, ahead, it's a disappointing like um showing because there's some of it so really really good and that's what makes it almost more disappointing you describing that game just reminded me of another one that should be on this list dying light 2 i didn't get to dying oh light 2 this my year, goodness dude. That's crazy. I, I, I love Dying Light 1. It was like one of my favorite games of the year when I played it, and I, I just did not have the time this year, which is a shame. But I'm going to put that on my um, going to put on my backlog. That and Inscription. Make those uh, top of your backlog. Right, I'm going to put an asterisk right here. Asterisk over here. Double yep. asterisk. Okay. All right. So I think those are the games we wanted to but didn't quite get to. And now it is time for the honorable mentions, which are games we did get to 
but didn't quite make the cut. And for me, a lot of these were pretty close, but they didn't quite make the top 10. Um, Carlos, let's start off with you. You got honorable Oof, mentions this year? I got so many honorable mentions. Because <laughs> so many. He's got so many. Well, we right. played 300 plus games. A lot of them are really good. So this list could be massive, but we're doing 10 and 10. I'm basically doing 10 and 10. So 10 honorable mentions, 10 game of the years. Um, All right. I'll do one. You do one for honorable mentions. So you that? do. Hold on. If you do two, two, four, six, do two each, and then I'll we'll go. Okay. That'll, that'll okay. balance it out. Uh, so first off is ease eight. Um, oh, oh my God! Are we talking about ease eight again? <laughs> right now we're going to talk about it at the end of the year because we talk about it all year. But the reason is, you know, it's that game that I never beat. But then the PS5 version came out this year, so it did come out this year. Yes. Okay, that qualifies. Um, sure. And that's when I beat it. I beat it on the fucking PS5 version. So it felt very satisfying, and um, man, I just mainlined that motherfucker. It seems like I got the good graphics, but very, very fucking great RPG. So is Ease 9. I think I like Ease 9 a little bit better, but Ease 8 is great. The PS5 version is the best way to play it, so that's definitely an honorable mention. All uh, right. And also, this one's tough. I love and hate this one. It's a disappointment, and I love it, is Elix 2. Oh man, okay, yeah. It's on there because it can't not be on there. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, oh yeah, an indie RPG like this, Eastern European, you know, from this. What's the developer again? I always forget. Piranha uh, Bytes. Piranha Bytes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love them. I love Elix One. We both did. I just don't think they changed it enough. There's enough issues there that didn't make me finish it. Yeah. So it's still sitting there. I haven't deleted it, but you know, I'm pretty far in the game. I probably will go back and beat it, but. Um, so I have to make it an honorable mention. It's also kind of a disappointment. Oh my gosh! You just reminded me. I never finished Elex One. I was like, really? Holy I shit! I was like, dude, I was like three missions away from the end, and something happened, and I just I stopped playing it from it. Probably review responsibilities. And when I came back to it, I like did not remember what I was doing. I was so far in that fucking game. Yeah, I, I love Elex One, but yeah, I have Elex Two. I bought it, and I didn't even touch it because um, I didn't finish number one. Um, but it's interesting uh, that it's it's on your list. Oh, a question though, question. Before yeah. we go further, are we going to say why they didn't make our top 10 or are we just going to say they didn't make the top 10? I mean, I kind of did already. Um, you did for Elex, but what about Ease 8? Well, I would just say that's it doesn't really even count. It's like an old game. Okay, and, okay. And, you know, I was just trying to finish it because I already started on another platform. So gotcha. I don't, okay. count, I don't call that a full experience. But yeah, we can do that for each one. All right, just a quickie. And if we don't have a reason, that's fine too. Oh, I have reasons. All right, let me give you a couple here, then we'll get back to you. First one is Ravenous Devils, which I loved. Uh, this was the one where it's kind of like Sweeney Todd, the video game, mm. where it's like a 2D ant farm resource management slash cooking game slash people murdering and cannibalism game. Yeah, cooking people game, you mean. Cooking people game, yeah. It was really dark. Uh, some of the animations were like gut churning they were so gross uh but it was really good i thought this game was really fun i thought it was great because they added some content and darkness to a genre that typically doesn't deal with it they added like you know a lot of murder and you know intrigue and stuff going on and it was just so delightful to chop people up and serve them up as pies it was just really whack and fun and off the wall liked it a lot i mean it was a little janky a little loose but i just had a great time with it um and the only reason it's not in my top 10 i think just because there were just other games that just edged it out nothing really wrong with it though yeah but every time you mention i do i get like sick to my stomach 
Oh my gosh, man. When we got to some of those animations, when you get to the, the people slaughtering room, like and some of them are pretty basic. Like, you know, you have the, you need to make a ground person I don't for wanna... like the meat pies yeah, and I then know. you just throw them in the grinder. Mm-hmm. But then when they got to like the steak table, it was like, <laughs> so gross. Dude. Oh my goodness. I'm so out. So I'm so gross. out still. I love that game. That's a great fucking game. Uh, the next one is Rogue Lords, which was a 2D deck building roguelike, very similar to Slay the Spire in structure. But it was different because you had to build a team of characters and the characters were made up of like classic monster archetypes. There was like a Frankenstein. There was a Dracula. There's a voodoo person. There's a ghost. There's a harpy. A couple werewolf. Maybe not a werewolf. But there was a there was a a number of different monster types, uh, different synergies to be had, different ways to build each character on each run. There was a story. Uh, little story events popped up. I mean, again, very much like Slay the Spire, but different enough to where I felt like I was having a familiar and yet substantially different experience with it. Um, had a great time. I loved almost all the systems. And I just, I thought it was great. I finished it, which was great. I mean, I finished barely any games this year and I felt like this one was worth finishing. So worthy for sure. I think the only reason it didn't make my top 10 was because I feel like the developers got a little bit too precious with the systems. And some of those late game bosses, they almost felt like gimmick bosses where if you didn't know what you were doing ahead of time, like if you didn't know what was coming, there's no way you would have been spec'd out properly to beat them. Mm. And I had too many experiences where I was doing really well, had a good run, got to the boss, and then the boss is like a gimmick boss where I was like fucked. And I had no way to beat them. And so I'd have to like do the whole run again after looking up an FAQ this boss does what? And then, okay, then I need to have a different character and spec it out a different way, mm. which was a bummer. Um, I think if they hadn't relied on gimmick bosses as much, I think this would have been in my top 10. Um, so that was a disappointment. But even with that disappointment, um, I still think it's a great game, great design, great art, had a blast with it. So good stuff. Just, you know, just slightly, slightly off kilter at the end. And that prevented it from getting my top 10. Makes sense. And yeah, I enjoyed it too. I think. Yeah, you played really a little bit of well that made, one too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right, what do you got? Um, another one that's actually similar to the Ease one is Biomutant for the PS5. Oh, okay, Biomutant, yeah. So I went back to it because it looked incredible. It was finally at 60 frames per second, which, you know, is my standard now. Gold standard, I need it. I need my 60 FPS. And uh, it was just awesome. I enjoyed that game. I beat it. Um, I know a bunch of people like either love or hate that game, but I really like it. So to go back to it this year was really, really fun. And I just did a bunch more missions that I never did before, upgraded some stuff. So, yeah, it's not my full list because it's, an, again, an older game, but really enjoyed that. Okay, cool. And then also The Ascent. Oh, The Ascent. Boy, that could have been a disappointment for me. Uh, but why Why did you uh, Why do you have it on your honorable mentions? Honorable mentions, it's, it's almost like a lot of my honorable mentions are also disappointments, right? <laughs> and that's why they don't make the top 10. Um, it's an incredible... Like third person, not third person, isometric little character, um, uh, cyberpunk type action game, a little bit RPG elements too. But like at the time, it felt almost more cyberpunk than cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact the aesthetic is so done well. Um, It's like a twin six shooter. So it's really fucking fun to play. I mean, it's so addictive to play that game. Like the gameplay loop is awesome. And again, it's like a really cool world and you just go through missions and it feels awesome. Each new scene and like biosphere and stuff like that just feels different. Um, and the graphics are awesome, but it's got weird uh, difficulty spikes. Yeah. It, when I, when I played, I play everything when it comes out. I'm like you, uh, like lots of times you wait, you know, like I you six months later, six months later, I played it like at launch or whatever. And so there was a bunch of bugs that I got near the end. Uh, I was probably 
75%, I think, through the game, like really close. And there was this huge bug that I couldn't beat, and then, like, I just couldn't get around the bug. Then they patched it, but then there was a difficulty spike. So I just kept eating shit near the end. And I felt like I had done enough and played that game a while that I should have been, like, you know, stronger. So that's why I stopped playing it, and that's why it's not on this list. But all the way up until that point, it was so fun. And I'd never seen a like isometric cyberpunk game that looked that good. Like it's really beautiful. I, I'm with you. I, you know, that's a good call out because I did. That was one I was very excited for, and I, I played a, a pretty good number of hours. I had the same problem as you, though. I mean, there were a few glitches that got me. Nothing as serious as the one that got you, but I think the the difficulty spikes just really just bummed me out. Like I just got so tired of eating shit after. I felt like I was like you know I'd be rocking one level like totally dominating, feeling good, you know, kind of pushing forward, and then just getting annihilated in these other sections and be like, okay, like again, uh, I want to play this game on chill mode. I think that's maybe the, the sub theme of the show is like, we like games on chill mode this year. Yeah. Um, I, I struggle enough in my real life. I don't need to struggle in my game. And I think the difficulty spikes uh, bum me out, but otherwise awesome graphics, awesome themes, great idea. Love the twin stick approach. I mean, so much of that game kicked ass, but just ugh, a little, you know, it just shows like a few small mistakes can really sink a whole project. Man, difficulty is like really the through line here because like you said, I remember that. Like one level, I'd be owning the level. Yeah. I mean, because all the power ups were really cool, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. like just like leveling areas. And there's some physics. Remember that? There's physics in the game. Oh, yeah. So, like, the enemies go flying and you just feel like fucking great. And then you go to another level and there's these robots and they're like, you're dead now. Instantly. You, yeah. you die now. You die now. And so, yeah. Um, <laughs> wait, so now I'm jumping to you. Uh, did you just say two? I don't remember what you just said. Biomutant and Ascent. Yeah. No, I just, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, this one, uh, again, again, <laughs> I want to just reiterate, these are honorable mentions. So we actually did like these games. I know. Like I just realized these are kind yes. of the disappointment, but yeah, also but honorable no, mention. But we liked them too. We liked them too. So this, again, we're going to turn it back to positive. We're going to crank up the positivity one notch. Anno Mutationem is on my honorable mentions. It's on uh, mine too. All right. You know, I... Man, I know we both really got jazzed by this one. Incredible art style, electric gameplay, innovative design, cool ideas. I mean, just everything about this game was popping. Uh, style for Miles, I just I just loved it. Um, I think my only issue was I, I played a lot. I feel like I was at least 75% of the way through. I started hitting some difficulty spikes. And honestly, just real talk, I feel like the campaign kind of went on a little bit too long. Like, I felt like... It was, okay, this is it. This is going to be it, right? We're going to, nope, there's more. And yeah. it's like, sometimes too much of a good thing is definitely too much of a good thing. And I feel like that game kind of fell prey to that. But man, the hours I put in were just awesome. I just, I was so in love with this game for like the two weeks or whatever that I was playing it off and on. And I just, I think it's great. I, I want people to give it a shot. So I do think it's good stuff. I mean, I know you were a fan as well. Yeah, I'm going to agree. It's just so cool. Every time we talk about on the show, if you go back and listen to that episode, type in So Video Games Podcast, Anno Mutation M, and you'll see, you'll listen to it. But like every time we talk about it, we're like, and then this happened, and then there was a cutscene, and I was like, a cutscene in this kind of a game? What? And yeah, then, then like the, yeah. the perspective shifted, and you're like, what? And then there's a collectible, collectible thing, and it's like they keep adding things, and you're like, wow, this is a cool fucking game. There's a mystery. Remember, there's a detective yep, mystery all of a there sudden? There was. There was. But I'm 100% with you, and I just want it to be done. Like, I was like, this is a great experience. I want it over now. And it just <laughs> kept going, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Where are yeah. we going to – when is this going to be over? Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's – like, it's just like you said. I had a great experience. I love this game. But now I want this game to be over, and it's not over. And then it just 
uh, it just fizzles. I don't know, man. But still, everybody should check it out. I think it's amazing. Still and check I, it out, yes. I feel like these developers, whatever they do next is going to be fucking awesome. So I'm going to definitely keep my eye on them. So. Yep. Uh, the next disappointment was... Or, no, God damn it. we're I'm, out of mentions. <laughs> my oh brain my is goodness. broken, man. My brain is broken. It's not a disappointment. Not a disappointment. Say it again, Brad. Not a disappointment. Uh, honorable mention, which means I liked this game because I really did. Anvil Vault Breakers. Uh, I played this on PS5. It came out to like the the PS5, I don't know, the early access. Or maybe it was Xbox. One of those early preview programs where the game was not quite done, but they put it out and... I think that was really my only problem with it is like I'm not an early access fan. You know that. I mean, I like finished games, uh, but this one reminded me a lot of Helldivers. A lot of people said oh, that this right. was a Helldivers vibe, and that was why I checked it out because Helldivers is one of the best games of all time. Yep. So uh, and I think that they are on the right track. It's a top down uh, isometric twin stick shooter. You play in teams of three. It's kind of a roguelike, but there's lots of action and there's lots of different um, characters you can play as uh, to get good team synergy going. Uh, it's really quick, and I think it's really cool. I think this game is really great. Um, almost all of it was on point. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was, number one, I did feel a little bit like early access, so like some of the features weren't quite there. Some of the characters weren't in the game yet. That's kind of a bummer. But I think more than anything else, and getting back to the through line of the show, is the difficulty, because some of the bosses... So you're doing a roguelike run, and some of these bosses, no problem. I mean, they were challenging, but like you learn their patterns. You've got a team. Team can re revive you. You're, you're running around, and it, it's, it feels good, like a good challenge. But some of these bosses were so ridiculously like OP, like you would get in the boss arena and it smoked immediately and your whole run would be over and it would just feel like a real slap in the face to be, to be doing really well, to having fun with your team, to getting this challenge and feeling like you didn't even have a chance. Like it was not even remotely a contest. Right. And so I feel like the difficulty spikes really needed to be looked at again. I feel like the developers had not really taken a look at that yet. And that really turned me off. I made a, a vow to myself to come back to it and i i think that i will because i really liked what i saw and i feel like it was headed in a really good direction if they can file down those difficulty spikes i mean this would be the kind of thing that i would play for like two runs a day for like the next six months you know like i would just like a little bit here a little bit there and just have fun with it uh, yeah. but i don't like feeling like i get kicked in the balls uh by those impossible bosses so. again these are honorable mentions but i liked it i liked it um, a lot. not the kick in the balls part but the rest of the game right right i agree with you because i really enjoyed the twin six shooter uh yeah. feel of it and yeah. all the upgraded weapons and stuff like these super cool mech suits and stuff yeah um i played it solo because you can play it solo mm -hmm. and even solo um i was like you said the first few bosses understanding how to beat them and beat them and then there was a third boss or something, you know, a yeah. fourth boss. And even though I was single player, which is harder, it still was like, no, 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 you don't even have a chance. Yeah. It, it, even Like you said, even if I did have a team, I'd be fucked. But, like, that was my problem with it, too. And now I just looked it up on the internet. Um, this is the season two has just started for that game. Oh, okay. So they're probably doing stuff to it. We should all give it a check out again because, I, I, like you, I did enjoy the early access, so... Let's check it out. Season two. I will, I will recheck it out. Hopefully. I mean, yes. it's got to be better by now. It's been like a year or whatever. So they, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's better. It's got to be better. Recheck it out. All right. Back over to you, Carlos. What do you got? <laughs> like it was going to be somebody else. Over no, no. I was like, I was like, wait, is it Jerry. my turn still? Or is it Carlos's turn? I can't remember. I know. We talk too long. Okay. We are talking too long. Okay. We're never going to get to this. Although this is a shorter show because it's just these games. So um, I will put on this list weird RPG. Oh, yeah. Which I okay. fucking loved and still love. And there's no real downside. There's no disappointment section for this. It's just fucking cool. It's an indie RPG that came out of nowhere. 
um, and it was on Steam, and I just randomly found it like I do. And it's just this really weird kind of isometric, quick, you know, Twitch RPG where the, the dodge roll is amazing, which I love. It's fucking great. And uh, you feel really strong in it. You feel like immediately you can handle any level. Um, you find out really quickly that it's not just this fantasy RPG, but there's a bigger story going on where, like, there's different worlds and different time periods. And you're kind of in this portal area where you can go to different zombie places in the present and the future. It's fucking weird. And at some point, you can, like, literally talk into your microphone and it makes weapons. It makes like oh, lightning right. strikes. The audio, that's right. Yeah. There's that. all these little f- things you're just not expecting. Fucking cool. I want more of this next year. These types of games, even more from that developer. But like an RPG that surprises me, that does something different and weird, and also has the mechanics down. Yes. So. And to be clear, it is called Weird RPG. Is that the final title yes, on Steam? It is. I know it was kind of hard to find for a while. It was some kanji and then RPG. And then I don't know if they listened to us, but we did mention that in the podcast that it was hard to find. And then they switched it just to English weird. Weird RPG. RPG. Yeah. Okay. So check right. it out for sure. Check that one out for sure. Uh huh. And then also, uh, this is going back to our <laughs> honorable mention slash disappointment, but I had to put it on there. Uh, Somerville. Oh, Somerville. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Recently came out, I think near the end of the year on Game Pass. Um, the trailer got me so excited. We both were very excited about the trailer. Um, Again, I still really liked my time with the game. There's a light disappointment section, which is that, you know, what is the game? It's an adventure game, kind of point and click style, but very, very, um, you know, art, artistic. What's the word I want? Like simple graphics cut out, almost think limbo. Think um, what's the other one? Uh, Not limbo. Limbo or inside? Inside. Yeah. It definitely has an inside uh, vibe where you're, you're kind of no talking moving character around the stories told through like just what you do. Right. And it's about a family, but a guy trying to find his family and there's kind of this invasion happening. Anyways, it's artistically beautiful. There's this really cool song in it. There's really uh, great um, sound effects and just feel and physics, but there's a middle section that sucks in my opinion, which is really about uh, being in a maze and like uh, these caverns. Remember I was telling you, Oh yeah, oh yeah, and in fact, when uh, when I was on the Gaming the Wild show, uh, this was John's uh, one of his biggest disappointments. He really railed against this one for a while. I'm surprised this one isn't on your disappointments because uh, you were really, really let down by this one. I know. I'm telling you why it's on my honorable mention because, uh, which I don't know if he did he beat it. I wonder if he beat it. No, or not. no. Yeah, no, he see, didn't get close. that's important. And I, this is kind of like a little asterisk for us. New Year's resolution for me, maybe next year. But sometimes those games can come around at the end. You know what I mean? We, we've talked about it before. Like, oh, maybe we haven't talked about it before, but I'm saying it right now for Somerville. <laughs> let, let, me, let me just narrow it down instead of going on a tangent. I'm saying it right now. Folks. I'm saying it right now, but I've never said it before. Is that, you know, an RPG can happen that way or a game like this, which is an adventure game. You might get slogged down in some of the middle part, but man, that ending, I think I even told you about. Like, you used a controller in a really unique way. It's got, like, kind of a David Lynch feel at the end which you don't see coming at all. Like, it doesn't feel like that in the beginning. It just feels like this kind of creepy adventure. Yeah. And I'm sure John didn't get to the ending, what I'm talking about. No, I'm sure he didn't. I don't think Where he did. there's, like, scene after scene of, like, Lynchian, like, parallel reality stuff. It's fucking cool, dude. I don't know if I stressed that enough when we talked about it. But it's it, it made me go, like, yeah, I wanted that experience. See what I'm saying? Like, 
the the slog in the middle does not detract from I really enjoy the ending. Um, you know, man, I I'm I am of two minds about that because I I know what you're talking about and I have had that experience where for whatever reason I'll slog through something and I mean it has to start good. If it doesn't start good, I will not go for right. it. Right. And this one good, starts really good. Starts really good and then it gets to be a slog yep. and then it kind of there you know, there can be a good ending to save it, but Man, if it's such a bad slog that it just like kind of kills your spirit, and uh, I don't know, man, like I, I kind of feel like I expect people to do better these days. I don't, I don't want to be that whole guy who's like it gets good after fifty hours or whatever, you know. Well, that's the I know thing. that's not what you're saying, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if it was an RPG, and I was like, oh, twenty hours later, right? Like I have to like grind to do something or whatever. Yeah. Or the yeah. story picks up at like Act Three, and it's like. 35 hours in that's fucked up this is a short game you know and so for me i was like when i revisited thinking about it i was like yeah i was stuck in some dungeons for a little while but like how long was that carlos you know uh talking to myself an hour are we talking yeah maybe maybe an hour and a half or something i don't know the game's short you know so i was like fuck you dude again yelling was that you talking to yourself yeah yeah (laughs) I was like, fuck you, dude. Somerville's an honorable mention, you stupid Get back to bitch. it, fucking Carlos. Yeah. Carlos, get back to it. We got, we got mad. We got heated. <laughs> uh, by the way, in this kind of new world where we're like home a lot more. Uh, yes. Yeah, 100% me and me were talking. So <laughs> anyways, I'm putting on the list, motherfuckers. You should check it out. I think it's really good, and I think the ending's cool as shit, man. All right. All right. Well, it wasn't on my list. Maybe I'll come back to it. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, let me see here. Another of my honorable mentions, Nobody Saves the World. It's uh, on my list, too. We're, cu- oh, we're is cutting it? Okay. this list down, yeah. I really like this one. I, In fact, I would go to, I would go so far to say that I love this one. I did, too. Um, I love this one a lot. I thought it was really funny. I thought the mechanics were great. I had a great time playing it. I liked the structure of the game. I thought it was interesting. But this is just like another Anno Mutationem situation where I love this game, but I have now had the experience, and I... And there's more. There's still more to go. And I don't want any more. But I've had enough and I loved it. And I thought it was great. And it's just like, I just felt like the campaign was too long. And they had, um, I don't mean to call it like a one trick pony or something. But it's like, once I understood how the game worked and how the level up worked and how the powers worked, I'm like, this is very cool. And I think it's great. And I only need X amount of it. And now you're giving me like triple that. And I don't need that much. So I didn't finish it. Um, I think I was probably well well past the halfway mark um but i just i i got it and i'm good and i liked it and uh, it's I, I like it a lot but i don't want any more you know like i can eat a, che- a piece of cheesecake and think it's delicious uh but i don't want the entire cheesecake because that's too much and yeah. i feel like this is like one of those it's an entire cheesecake situation and i don't need that much i just need like one slice maybe 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 two if i'm feeling myself that day but I definitely don't need the whole pie. And I feel like this was the whole pie. Well, let me drill down on why I kind of, again, this is just this, what this list is. It's a honorable mention slash disappointment, but I a hundred percent love it. Really fucking fun. I like that studio. They make guacamelee. They're fucking amazing. Yeah. They're awesome. I love juice. Really box. funny too. Like the whole wait, wait, comedy drink in box? it. Drink box. Drink box. Juice yeah. Box? Drink, drink box, box. I think. Um, anyway, so I would say that I'm drilled down on why it felt long to me is that they lock sections of that map. And I think that was a uh, an incorrect thing to do. Like, I'm playing another game, which I won't talk about now, but it's an RPG that has the same kind of vibe, which is, like, almost top-down view, right? And you're running around kind of colorful cartoon aesthetic. And the game I'm playing, nothing's locked. It's just, like, you just have to walk to it, right? Like, the whole island's there. The whole world is there. Okay. Um, the point is, this one, 
uh, and my disappointment part is that they lock things behind like gems, right? Like you could, you had to get certain amount of things to get into places. Yes, yes. So I felt like, and then it kept going. So like, oh, I finally did unlock this one castle or something, but now to go to this other area, I've got to get this more stuff. So I felt like there just kept being more things for me to collect and get or, or like, you know, level up or whatever. And then I couldn't even get to the areas I wanted to get to. So I agree. I just loved it. I just, it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it too. Really great stuff. I definitely want to give this a shout out for sure, but it was just, it was just too much. Um, one that I thought was really great. Uh, like no other, the legend of the twin books. This is the uh, point and click that was merging itself with the open world genre. And I thought it was fucking brilliant, brilliant mm. game design. The idea of exploring um, kind of a like like a Last of Us sort of a world as a but a very lighthearted, funny, no combat kind of quirky point and click was great. I love the feeling of exploring like maybe four or five city blocks worth of town going into buildings, point and clicking on things. Everything was really logical. The puzzles were logical. They made sense. There was a small number of items. So you were, you were not picking up junk items that you didn't know if they were worth it or not. Like everything had a purpose. Uh, really restrained and and, and and straightforward and streamlined. Uh, great design. I love this design. And I, re- I feel like this is one of those rare games where it is it is literally pushing the its genre forward, just like the way that the council was pushing forward the, the telltale genre or whatever we call that, the narrative genre, whatever. Uh, this one is taking traditional point and clicks and pushing it forward in terms of like how the world is structured, how the player interacts with the world, how just how the space is, is explored. It felt so fresh and so interesting and so fun. Um, if So the only, the only issue I had and the only thing keeping it out of the top 10 was there was no story. Uh, and when you do the point and click genre, like story is kind of a big part of that genre. And I, I respect that they were maybe trying to explore what it would be like if there was no story. And I will say that that was not a great direction. You need to have a little bit of story, not a ton. I don't want like pages of text or anything, but like, I don't even know what the main character's name was. I don't know why he was after the doodad he was after. I don't know what happened in the world, what made it like a last of us sort of a world. Um, There was just a lot of holes where if they had filled those in, I would have had a much better idea of what I was doing, who the character was. I would have had a much stronger attachment to it. And I feel like this game, I mean, the art was on point, design was on point, play was on point, difficulty was on point. It was so good um, and one of my favorite point and clicks in a while. But that basic vacuum of a story really kind of kept it at arm's length for me, which was a disappointment because it's so good otherwise. yeah. Um, But man, really great. And if you love point and click, you've got to check this one out just to see that there is another way to go. There's this other new direction. It's like somebody gives you a box of Crayola crayons and you open the box and you're like, what the fuck? There's a brand new color in here. I've never seen this color before. What color is this? That's what it felt like to play this. It felt so, so new and so different. It's amazing. I really wanted to go back to it too. I remember you talking about in the show pretty positively besides the story part. So yeah, check it out. Yeah, definitely check it out. All right, um, you got a couple more, don't you, Carlos? I have two more now because you took, you've taken two off my list. So You do one, I'll do one, then you do one, then we'll get to the top ten. Okay, uh, both these I just like, all right? I'm not going to give a reason <laughs> they're not on the honorable mention. Fair I feel enough. bad. Fair enough. And here's one that's controversial. So it's a boot, ready? I'm holding my breath. Diablo Immortal, fuckers. Oh, okay. All right. I'm sure that's on a lot of people's disappointment list, but I know you loved it. Shouldn't have said fuckers. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> that got that got harsh for a second. Well, I'm already defensive because so many people like despise that game, right? Yeah. For yeah. the monetization and all that transaction stuff that is fucking terrible. Like, I agree with you. I've said it on the show many times before. So take away the fact that I never spent any money on this game. Never did. Not once. And I beat this game, right? Because I, I beat this game. 
I finished this game. I mean, that says a lot, right? Yeah, you can keep going. There's obviously going to go on forever, but like, there's a main campaign thingy, and uh, and it just kept my attention, and it was more Diablo. And by the way, as people are seeing, some of the features in Diablo Immortal are going to be in Diablo 4, which is this idea of this um, uh, asynchronous PvP, or not PvP, yeah. kind of P with P. PNP, PNP, but like you can like you know team up with other people kind of asynchronously or like just like randomly you know in the game, yeah, yeah, and that will be kind of in four. So, but yeah, it's just I had no problems with it. Like I'm gonna take away the monetization because I didn't spend money. I didn't need to spend money. I never needed to grind that everyone keeps talking about. Um, I just grinded like I would normally do in any RPG, sure. right? I just did that, and it was really fun. And I would have like some stuff I could do for daily challenges which is you know i definitely know more of those mobile or mmo style games but again none of it felt like grindy it just felt like stuff i'd want to do and it was just fun to me like i just had a great time with it played a barbarian you know did a bunch of swirling around killing sure. tons of monsters as you do as you do and it does fit that you know itch that you have fit that itch is wrong um scratch that itch <laughs> fit that what is the other one fit that uh fit the bill no fit the when you fit the something. That thing that you put on that fits. You fit the, it fits the glove? No, I don't know what it is. Anyways. Shoe? I don't know. The shoe fits? When the shoe fits, scratch that itch. Um, when the shoe fits, grind that gold. I don't know. It's just really fun. It's I wanted to do some grinding in a fun way, and I don't know. I think people have judged it just on the monetization. I'm putting an honorable mention. I really liked it. All right. And uh, lastly, oh, you're doing right. one. That's right. No, Let me do, do one, then you do one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Yars Recharged. Uh, this is a reimagining of the Atari 2600 classic where you play a, I don't know, mechanical mosquito that is attacking a base surrounded by a force field. Uh, I, I was always kind of fascinated with it on the Atari 2600 as a kid because I think in my imagination I was seeing what it could have been. Mm. And it wasn't really that great of a game, but I, I was always just like, oh, man, what a cool idea. Robot mosquito flying around in space, shooting stuff. It just really captured my attention. Um, and so I remembered it immediately when I saw this remake. And it is a great remake. It, they take the elements, the mosquito, the base, the force fields and stuff. They just ramp it all up to 10. They modernize it. They give it like these really cool, like neon modern graphics where they're kind of abstract, but really beautiful looking. Reminds me a little bit of something like Geometry Wars or something like that. And the gameplay is like tight. Controls are tight, like the systems are clean. It's really kind of a score chase arcade style game, but there's also like a campaign mode where you have all these different levels to break your way through. It's just everything about it is just really well done. This is exactly how like every retro arcade classic should be moved forward in time. Like if every every remake was like this, I would play them all. This was just a great capturing of the spirit, capturing of the themes, and yet it is better than it ever was, and it kind of is what I was more imagining in my head, mm. and it's just a really great update. I think this is great. I mean, and nothing wrong with it either. Um, difficulty is a little tough, but it's that's to be expected for kind of an arcade-style game. Uh, nothing wrong at all. I think it just got edged out by a couple other favorites I had, so no complaints at all. It's a great, great title that I don't know that anybody besides me played this year. I didn't yeah. hear anybody talking about it. I didn't play it, but it seems cool. Uh, so check that out. And also another one, positively, is we're going to round this out in positive mode. Uh, Trek to Yomi. Oh, Trek to Yomi. Okay. Yeah. Tell us, Carlos. Man, oh, man. I don't forgot if you didn't like it, but that'd be a disappointment to me if you didn't. But <laughs> I didn't like it. Yeah. You didn't, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I think John from Gaming in the Wild did like he it. He really liked it. Yeah. yeah. In fact, didn't you? Oh, wait, guys we do talked a show about it? it. Yeah. We talked about it. Yeah. You went on a show for that. Um, so I liked it, and I'll just tell you why. Um, it's like 2D Ghost of Tsushima, basically, 
where it's kind of like, um, you know, this time period of being a samurai in training kind of, you, you start, and I didn't even know the game was going to be like this, but it's kind of a, a story, like being a kid and then growing up and getting better with like your, you know, sword abilities and stuff like that. But also just the story that you go on. Um, this has a great feel. The aesthetic is beautiful. I love the black and white. I love all the, um, just the, the mood that it produces. And what's really interesting, it just kept shocking me or surprising me, almost like Anno, Anno Mutashianum, um, which I think we're okay at saying now. Oh, my God. Please, I next time you guys make again. a game, please make a better title. Make yeah. it more pronounceable. Anno 2. Um, anyways, it, I just like that game. Uh, this game kept surprising me where, like, there's an action and you have to fight, but then there's scene, there's just whole sections where you just walk around and collect things and learn story and do kind of side missions. And then you go back to fighting again. But then later on, mini spoiler, which I don't even ever talk to you about on our podcast, but it turns supernatural. Yeah. I remember you mentioned that. Yeah. Did, yeah. And it's like such a cool surprise. Like you're going to a different, like, you know, world basically. And, and, and your abilities kind of change and stuff. I just thought it just was everything it did. It did really well. And it was a nice short experience too. It wasn't super long. It didn't overstay its welcome. So 100% like that. Truck to Yomi. Right on. Right on. All right, cool. That is going to do it for our honorable mentions. Um, before we get out of the top 10, I just want to sneak something in really quickly. Um, I, I had a game on my list on my top 10. This was literally on my top 10 for a while until I did my due diligence, which we almost never do. And I double checked all the dates on my game releases because I, I fucked it up last year yeah. where I had a game that was from 2020 on my list of top uh, 2021 games. I'm like, well, I'm not going to embarrass myself like that again. I will double check and oh. I had almost did it. I almost did it to myself, but I caught it. So Warhammer 40K Battle Sector is actually from 2021. It came right at the very end. I want to say it was December 2021, which is probably why I didn't play it until January of 2022. Mm. But it is not a 2022 game, so I'm not going to have it on this list. But it's a kick-ass game that I didn't talk about last year because it came at the end. And I didn't talk about it this year because it was too soon or too late or whatever. I just couldn't work it in. But Warhammer 40K Battle Sector is fantastic. If you're a 40K fan... And I am. Uh, I think this is one of the best ones out there. It's turn-based tactics, kind of like XCOM. It's got a great campaign, great tactics, great unit variety, lots of upgrade paths to specialize your, your units, uh, lots of variety uh, to keep things fresh. There's also some story challenges. I mean, to me, it is like the perfect the perfect package when it comes to turn-based tactics. Uh, I loved everything about it. I don't think I had any complaints about it whatsoever. It was great stuff. They've just added some DLC to it. I think there's new units that I haven't even seen yet. Uh, there might be a new campaign mode. I'm not sure. Uh, but regardless, uh, I just wanted to mention it at some point because I thought it was a fantastic game in terms of tactics. It's fantastic in terms of 40K. Uh, and I just think it's a really good game that I'm really sorry that I didn't have a chance to properly celebrate at any other point. So I'm going to celebrate it right here. Best game, not from 2022. Warhammer yeah. 40K, Battle Sector. Check it out. It got Check caught it in the out. middle. It's like It's like a little piece of food that's in your car that's in the little part you can't get to. In between the console, right? Like, yeah. you see it, and it's near where your e-brake is, but you can't reach it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Bummer. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways, let's do this top 10. Let's do this top 10. All right. Let's do it. Um, Is that a drum roll? Yeah. I might do it in post. We'll see. That okay, sounded we'll terrible. See. That's okay. We'll, we'll power through. All right. Let's just get to it, folks. This is the top 10, the best of the best of this year, as decided by me and Carlos. Of course. There's a bunch of games we didn't play. Of course, maybe our, our, our list would change. We thought about it for another month or two, but this is what we're rolling with. And I'm going in 
order going from 10 to 1. Are you, or is this just like your top 10 in general? I'm going in order. I think, okay. I mean, it might be a little off here and there, but yeah, I'm going in Let's order. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, Carlos. Carlos Rodella, Carlos Dodge Rodella, 2022. What is your number 10 game of the year? And I'll, some of this changed like this morning. Um, oh, yeah. But I'm putting at number 10 because there's no way it can't be on this list. I feel like it might be on your list. It's such a good experience. Really cool. Such a surprise. Atari 50th Anniversary Collection. That is exactly my number 10. Is it? Holy it shit. Is. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, never happened. That's good. First time. All right. Well, tell us about it, and I'll just chip in at the end. Yeah, we both can talk about it. And uh, basically, it's this collection of um, Atari games, or all of them, including things like from the era from the Atari Lynx and the Jaguar. And the reason why it's on both of our lists, I'm saying, for both of us, was because it's not just a collection of games. It's an awesome documentary-type experience. It's essentially it's um, a timeline or different several timelines that you go down and you collect basically like um, – you know, experiences and some of them are videos and some are people talking about the Atari days and some are just posters and some are, you know, artwork and things you've never seen before, like level design uh, and some are unfinished games and then you can play them. You can fucking play them. Um, it literally sets the bar and creates a template for future publisher developers to make games like this, which are essentially experiences to go through like the history of video games. The other reason why it's really good is it's also very fucking important because we talk about in the show all the time, uh, losing games to, to time is, is tricky because when there's software that's just online and servers go down, we no longer have the, the, the game itself, or we don't remember how, what happened around that game and the history of it. So this is kind of a really cool, like time capsule as well as it was just fucking cool to play a bunch of old games. Absolutely. Couldn't say it better myself. I mean, you said everything I wanted to say. I'm just going to I'm going to yes and all of that stuff. I mean, it's so rare that we I mean, never. I mean, this is the first time. So it's extremely rare that we get something of this quality. Like I was just blown away because, I, you know, I love Atari. Fine. You know, I don't like pine for those days or anything. I mean, I feel like we're in a good space in terms of video games these days. But I, you know, I remember those days and I think they're important from an archival uh, perspective, historical perspective. It's always good to remember your roots, remember where you came from. And this collection of just all of Atari's, their arc, their entire story, the good, the bad, the unusual, the crazy, all the, the cocaine-fueled orgies and all the big sales and all the victories and all the advertisements. Um, so much of that material, TV, radio, uh, billboards, magazines, they've captured all that stuff. There's interviews and it's all arranged like so clean in a timeline and so smooth. It's so easy to understand. It is like the ultimate interactive learning experience. I, I love this format. I want to see this format for like basically every developer out there. And I mean, this is like Smithsonian quality stuff. If I went to a fancy museum and paid 50 bucks to get in or whatever, yeah, and this was there. I'd be like, yeah, that felt worth it, man. That was fucking cool. So yeah, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just this kind of like, the, the it's the journey you go on it's it's more than a game obviously yeah it's like this yeah. journey so fucking so cool. good yeah. so good all right so that was my number 10 so why don't you go ahead and do, uh, do your number nine then all right my number nine is um oh wait oh no did i fuck up like you did last year is did this you pick one from this year yeah i think it's oh no wait look it up you wait a minute you, you do your and i'll look up mine you do okay, your i'll, nine, I'll do nine. my number nine yeah my number nine is marvel snap um, we're not going to be talking a lot about mobile games. In fact, I think this is my only mobile game, but I had to mention it. Um, number one, it's taking the world by storm. I feel like my entire Twitter timeline, everybody's playing Snap or at least has tried it. 
and I believe that most people really liked it. Uh, it's got some pretty high-powered developers behind it. Some of the people behind Hearthstone, which is also a big success, uh, jumped over to Marvel Snap and worked on that. I think it's really brilliant for a number of reasons. I mean, number one, the the deck builder is something that's pretty common these days. It's really coming to vogue, and that's fine. I really like the deck building genre, and I feel like it's really flexible. But they have really sized it down to be perfect for mobile. Like, your deck is no more than, I believe... 12 or is it 16 cards that's that's nothing for a deck builder that's so small pretty sure it's 16 cards um you're not even going to get through them all when you play uh, a round and each round is super short too the rounds are like three minutes maybe five minutes uh, not even five minutes probably three minutes three and a half minutes that's really like lightning quick you can get in and play a short match you don't have to have a million cards you're gonna get your strategies going that's all good and i think that works the cards are really cute and clever and they have good mechanics to them but the thing that really makes it brilliant is the battlefields. Uh, so when you play this game, there are three uh, three sections to the playboard, uh, left, center, and right. And when you play a card, you have to choose one of those battlefields. And each battlefield changes every match. So like, for example, you can have a deck that is totally tuned. You've got a great mechanic. Um, you know, maybe it's like a Black Panther deck, or maybe you've got a, a Kazar deck where you're buffing little guys, or maybe you've got a big guy deck. So you've got like you know, I don't know, um, Red Skull in your deck or something like that. Um, but all that goes out the window if you get to a battlefield that like upends your strategy. And I think that's really the key to this game because you can plan things out. You can prepare as best you can. You can try to build to have an even good powered deck. But if that battlefield comes up and it's not playing to your strengths, uh, it just throws your whole strategy out the window and you have to like all of a sudden like re-strategize, do the best that you can. Or maybe you get lucky and you get a battlefield that completely like reinforces your strategy. Uh, I've had that happen to me yesterday where I was playing a match and this guy had a little uh, a buff deck where he had these creatures that were buffing other creatures. Fine enough, and I have no problem fighting those on my own, but he got a really lucky battlefield that basically like uh, octupled the power of his uh, buffs. And so he just like steamrolled the fuck out of me. And mm. it was just like a one-off, right? Like it just happened that he had the right deck on the right battlefield on the right day. And it, it's not like that every time. You can't plan for that. So I think the battlefields, keeping it fresh, is really the key to that game working, which is brilliant. Um, and it just means you never know what you're going to get. You always got to stay on your toes. It's kind of like a deck building roguelike, but not roguelike in the sense that other roguelikes are. It's just kind of like, what what is life going to throw at me right now? And I love that variety. I think it's really cool. Um, the only downside, I will say, and it's not even really a downside, uh, but the monetization is just completely whack in this game, uh, but it's good because you don't need to monetize anything. Like I have only put in maybe 10 bucks cause I bought the season pass for a couple of unlocks. No big deal. Uh, but like you don't, it's, I mean, it's not really pay to win because there's a lot of factors that stop you from winning, but it's so strange because it feels like sometimes the game doesn't even want you to pay anything and you can play for a long time without putting anything in and have a really satisfying, really positive experience with putting in no money. But then when you get to the monetization, the prices are so bananas. It's like 50 bucks for something or $300 for something. And I'm like, Ugh. are you nuts? Like, what is going on with you guys? I don't, I, like, I want to give them money because I want their people to be able to feed their families. I want them to keep making more snap. I want them to keep their jobs and free games are not free. They got to make money somehow. These are human beings that need to live on earth. They got to, they got to eat, right? They got to pay their electric bill. And I want to give them money, but the, the money they're asking for is so fucking whack that I don't want to give them that money. I want them to give me like, you know, a $5 buy-in, a $10 buy-in. Yeah. If I'm feeling really fancy, maybe a $20 buy-in, get something really cool. But like $100, $300, like get the fuck out of here. Well, but, that sounds like Diablo Immortal. 
You know, know what I mean? Maybe. It's yeah, like, maybe. well, I, I didn't give them any money, right? I, but you still, you finished and yeah. I finished it, right? So yeah, yeah. So so maybe this is the same situation where it's like, I had a great experience. I only put in like 10 bucks. I think I could have put in $0 and still had a wonderful time with it. It's not begging me for money, but the, the monetization is whack. But other than that, this is a great game, great mechanics, great design, great mobile game. If this didn't have the Marvel license, of which I'm a fan, but if this was just like, space bugs or clowns at a circus or whatever i would still play this game because the game rocks like it's really really fun yeah and the marvel thing is just icing on top of that and if you don't like marvel still check it out just to see what this game is about because i think this is a wonderful design yeah i think it's it seems like a lot of people have uh, positive things to say about it but yeah it's that monetization part but we're not doing that negative because that is the old list <laughs> the Moving things on. that we didn't like about it but um yeah it seems like it's done really well so and, did you find out the uh, the details on your game? And my number nine is okay to be on the list. Oh, good. And I'll tell you why. There's an asterisk next to it. It's Vampire Survivors. All right, Vampire Survivors. That one is also on my list, but it's in a different number. Okay. Oh, geez. Okay. I think we both loved it, and I'll say the reasons why I loved it, and then I'll tell you about... Well, let me, let me first tell you the, the issue I had with it. So okay. I've been playing this for a while, longer than you, because I played it in early access. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was last year. Uh, wait, wait, now it is last year. I'm sorry. That was 2021. That was, that was two years ago. Right. So 2021, I was playing it and that's why I felt like it was on this list. It actually came out though this year in October. Yeah. It did release release. So yeah, it qualifies. It qualifies. Okay, cool. But I have been playing it for a fuck long time. And then I showed you, I probably brought it to you on the show, I guess. You did. Uh, and then, yeah, then game pass got it and stuff. So yeah, what is this game? It's a 16 bit, um, you know, twin six shooter. But it, it's just so much more than that. It's just it's this perfect um, level of flow that you get from this game that I love, which is that you take out a million enemies, you keep upgrading yourself. It's all these kind of single runs, very roguelike that way. But then when you're finished, you always get stuff. Like you can always go to the shop and buy things. You always feel like you're progressing, which I think is great. And it just is a fucking joy to play. Like it's so addictive. It's the definition of addictive to, to me, where you just basically like, want to just jump back in and mow down more enemies and see how far you can get. And then you can actually beat a level. And Because in the beginning, when I was playing Early Access, we were like, does this ever end? Because <laughs> no one knew, right? Which is this brand new game. And I don't think the developer even knew back then. Yeah, I think maybe it didn't end. I don't know. But um, but yeah, they, they added more. They added DLC now recently. I think it's a great game to still play to, to check out now. But yeah, you liked it too. It's fucking great. It is great. I'm going to reserve my comments because we're going to be coming to it a little bit later on in the list. Oh, so, okay. Uh, we'll 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 circle back here. I say it's just not higher up on the list because I didn't spend enough time with it. Like, and also I think it's that asterisk and the fact that I've been playing it since last year, right? So that has to I think change it a bit for me. Oh, um, exactly. Yeah. Because I just playing it for so long. So now that it's like kind of people are just experiencing it on Game Pass and DLC, I'm sure people will love it even more now. But I really still liked it. It's on my list. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a huge experience from this year for me. That's exactly why I like to play games when they are done because I don't like that feeling of I kind of started it and I kind of like it, but then it's not finished and then you come back to it and it's kind of changed and maybe you got to restart and like the whole that that I don't know, but I mean that's not for everybody, but for me personally, that kind of burns me out. Um, so I like to just get the finished version, and I, and I did experience just the finished version. So that's probably why it's much higher on my list uh, than yours. But we'll get yeah. we'll get to it in a minute. All right. um, since we kind of jumbled order, uh, just keep going, Carlos. What's your number eight? Oh, okay, Cult of the Lamb. Oh, okay. Dun, 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 right. dun, 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 on your disappointment list. Yeah. Um, yeah. The reasons why, and I've already mentioned it on the show, so I won't go too far into it. Is basically it's one of the only roguelikes I enjoy. 
that's a pretty big statement. Um, I generally have a harder time liking roguelikes because of that not progress feeling. Yeah. Uh, if they didn't do pro- don't do progression right, then I'm out, and I'll be out in two seconds because if I, I you know, don't want to basically go over and over um, dying a bunch of times, you know, that's not fun for me. So this, why this is a, so great in my opinion, and I think that you also recognize, and even when you're talking about it earlier, is that it does this progression that's different. It's a totally different take, which is you have a like sim building area. You have a little town. It, the graphics, I, you know, immediately I'm already in. I also played this, by the way, early access, I just remembered. Yet it's still on my, high, it's still on my list. And um, even though I played it early, I played the full version of it. And it, yeah, it did that perfect pairing of comedy. Like it's all this like dark stuff, but it's done really cute. And then um, kind of a dark humor of like when people die, you've got to like bury them and incinerate them and do weird things. And then at the same time, even though I go on these little runs that are short runs, and yes, I had an issue with some of the weapon stuff being random, but they were, to me, they were just always fun. Like I never had any um, frustration with it because they were sh- such short runs, you know? And a lot of roguelikes I play, it's like, can you beat it? You can't? Okay, go back to the beginning. Uh, right, this this right. is like, can you beat this l- little section and there's a boss? Oh, you didn't? Maybe try it again. Oh, you did the second time. Okay, that's it. And, and you got what you needed because... Yeah, the smaller steps was pretty brilliant. Yeah. Smaller steps. And then also it's smaller steps towards a single player kind of goal, right? Because there are like big bosses you've got to take out and there's a story part that you've got to get and then you get like story beats, right? And little dialogue. And then when you go back to your sim town, you feel like you fucking progressed just there. Like this game could have just been the sim part and I would have played it. Yeah. So that's yeah. why it's on my list because it just did all these parts different that I wasn't expecting again, expectations. And it was a roguelike at the same time. And I beat the fucker. And you know, for me being a roguelike as I think, I don't know, like being a souls game really hard for me. Yeah. Um, I've thoroughly loved it. Like I, I can't say anything negative about it besides sometimes the weapons being random sucked, but that's well, it. The fact that you actually finished it and it, that is a roguelike that says a lot right there. I mean, that's yeah. a big statement right there. So. Yeah, exactly. Right on, right on. All right, cool. Uh, let me go to mine number eight, Card Shark. Played it on the Switch, coming from Devolver, I'm pretty sure it was. Wait, what's this game? I got to look this up. Card Shark is the one where you play in Renaissance France, and you are cheating at playing cards. Oh, right. Yeah, we talked about it pretty early in the year, I think. Um, you play a guy, an orphan or something like that, and you get taken in by a, a cheating guy, uh, a grifter. And he wants to go and um, steal money from the aristocracy of revolutionary France. Uh, number one, cool idea. Uh, I love this. And it's just so weird and different. Um, it's basically a series of cheating mini games where he teaches you how to cheat these different ways. Like, for example, you'll be uh, you'll pretend to be the the waiter. And when your opponent has a good hand, you pour a lot of wine in his glass. And if he's got a bad hand, then you pour a little bit of wine or something like that. Or maybe like you'll count a certain number of cards where you'll touch a card at certain times. If you touch the card three times, that means it's a, it's a, you know, a spade. And if you touch it two times, it's a heart. There's all sorts of these little things. And I guess apparently from what I gather, a lot of these cheating methods are actually based in real life. Like these were actually things people had done. So it's really interesting to learn all these different ways to cheat at cards and to have that incorporated into like a French revolutionary story. Uh, Really great stuff. I didn't finish it, but I got pretty far. Uh, Unfortunately, it requires a lot of focus, as I as I assume, 
that if you are cheating in real life, it probably requires a lot of real focus as well. And I had to put it down for a second to do some review games. And when I came back to it, I forgot how to cheat. And I'm like, okay, wait, I can't, <laughs> I can't keep going. I got to restart the campaign, but I will happily do it because I thought it was so cool and so fun and so different and fresh. Uh, unlike anything else I think I've ever played. And I thought it was just a great idea. Plus graphics were great. Theme was great. Great fit for the Switch. Uh, really had a great time with it. I'm definitely going to come back. I really liked it a lot. So Card Shark. The graphics are remind me of Pentiment in a way. Uh, kind of that hand-drawn, sort hand of illuminated drawn. drawing yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, Such a cool idea. And if you think about, look at all of our games so far, are games that were, you know, kind of blew away our expectations. Um, Atari 50, didn't even expect it. Yeah. Vampire Survivors, I shouldn't. On paper, it's like it could be boring, right? It's 16-bit yeah, style. Yeah, I would never predict it would be so fun. Yeah. yeah. Cult of the Lamb for me, roguelike, I'm usually out. And I was like, yeah. what the fuck? So yeah. I don't know. Interesting. And then what was your other one? Um, the card game, too. Another card yeah, game. Card Shark, like, yeah, yeah. That's, that came out of nowhere. That's just so weird. So, okay. Uh, love Card Shark. But let's move on to number seven. Carlos, what is your number seven of 2022? Seven. Yes, that's right. Um, Dying Light 2. Stay human. Oh, man. I got to get to this one. But tell me all about it. Yeah. So... It's similar and dissimilar to Dying Light 1, uh, or like our discussion we had about Horizon, me not wanting more Horizon now. Um, Dying Light 2 is different. It does feel more like a Far Cry game, which I don't. I hope I don't scare you away, where, you know, there's definitely more like gamification and uh, places you got to like take over, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, what are they called? Outposts and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's more of a kind of Ubisoft feel to it. I'll, I'll say that for sure. But the verticality is so amazing. The floating around, you get a hand glider basically. And, you know, just this open world feels truly open. Yes, a lot of the buildings have the same thing, which are just zombies and, you know, what a, uh, computers and stuff like that. Like you've, you've seen one building, you might see them all. But it still feels really fucking big. And the story beats, because at some point, there are a lot of side missions. I just mainlined it, because I was like, I really, really am interested in the story. It's just super cool. Like, it's super fucking cool. Like, I really, I live for these kind of games where it can be a first-person, you know, melee slash shooter with an interesting campaign that I want to get through. Like, that takes the cake for me sometimes, you know? That's really right on par with, like, third-person RPG. Like, both those are equal value to me. So that's what this does. It's like such an interesting narrative. Um, Rosaria Dawson's in it, by the way. And I kind of had a vibe of like, remember when I uh, dated that girl Pan Am in Cyberpunk 2077? Yeah, 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 yeah. Was this your other? Was this your other girl? Yeah, she felt it, it. They did a really good job of like making you feel connected to that person. Um, maybe not as much of a romanticness, you know. It's more just like a really good friend, and and you're having all these experiences with her. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's spot on, looks like her, and, and the graphics are really good. I don't know. It just does a lot of things right. A lot of the side missions are pretty, like, dark and sad, but you're really good. You, you're really glad you went on them, you know? Like, uh, I won't go into them, but they're, because yeah, I want you to play this. So, anyways, the side missions felt all really good that I, that I did play. I, you can mainline it, you don't have to go on those. Um, it doesn't feel like it lasts forever, I think. I, I feel like. The very, very final act, there's a couple different bosses. You're like, okay, that could that could have just been one. But all in all, I just really enjoyed my time with it. The only thing, I'm not supposed to do this, but the only thing I'll say is I did, again, play it as soon as it came out. So there was a glitch at near the, one of the last bosses. And it's kind of funny. The last boss type person, which I won't spoil because it's not even the last boss. The boss before the boss, he, he uh, glitched 
into like um, a wall somewhere. I think I remember you telling me about yeah. this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can't beat the game now. And I just went back and shut the game off and cried and went to bed. Um, <laughs> no, no. And then I came back to the game and it was patched and, and it was fixed. But minus that, a fucking great game. I love these types of games. Single player, go in, and you really do want to know what that story is. Once you start playing it, you'll be like, I want to mainline this. Well, you know, I loved uh, the first Dying Light, like I said earlier in the show, and I, I didn't mean to get to this one. I think it's probably very possible that this would have been on my top 10 if I had had time for it. But it hit at a time when I was really overwhelmed with other games and I just kept thinking I was going to get to it and going to get to it. And then the moment kind of passed and then another game came up and then, you know, just the reviewer lifestyle, the the podcast lifestyle, like sometimes it's very fast paced. And if you're going to play 300 games a year, that means you got to move pretty quickly. So uh, I hope to get to it pretty soon. I bought it and I have it. Um, and now that uh, we're just wrapping up 2022, hopefully the uh, fingers crossed quiet period in January and February will give me some time to to get around to some of those ones that I didn't get to. But this is definitely on my list. for Well, sure. not February. February is one of the biggest Februarys we have, I think, this year. Damn it. Yeah. Okay. So January, you should play it because I think I better hurt your the fuck up. Then. If you mainline it and again, don't go on too many of the side quests. It's not super long. And I think you'd really enjoy it. All right. All right. Uh, OK. My number seven RPG time. The Legend of oh, Right. All right. Yeah, this is a little passion project from, I believe, a single guy who worked on it for like seven or eight years in his spare time. And it shows. It shows because it's really smart. It's got a a very laser-focused vision. Uh, Basically, this is... uh, How do you even describe it? It is basically like if you were a a kid in junior high and you had a college-ruled notebook and you wanted to run your own little made-up D&D campaign... What would that look like? And the entire game is like set in a notebook. Everything in it is like drawings and stickers and construction paper and stuff. And so every time you get to a level, he like turns the page. And as you go through each level, like if you if you kill a guy, he erases it with his eraser. Uh, your life is a tape measure. And so when you gain points, he pulls out the tape measure a little further. When you lose points, he, he scooches the tape measure back in. Uh, there's little tokens and stuff. It's all stuff that you could make as a junior high schooler. You know, it's all like paper and pencils and pens and markers and uh you know pipe cleaners and clay and all that stuff the whole the whole look of it just captures this moment in time that i certainly went through a phase i don't know if you went through a phase but i bet a lot of people out there went through a similar phase where you're a young person you don't have everything you need but you've got imagination and you've got energy and you've got enthusiasm and you have fun doing things like this in school or at your home on your off time with your buddies or something and it's just it really captures that golden shining moment of childhood. But at the same time, it is also um, a commentary on RPGs. It's a commentary on game design. It's a commentary on the relationship between a game and a player. It's just really fucking brilliant. Like on every level, everything is just so smart and so on point. Um, And it's a crime. It is a crime, a legal crime Mm -hmm. that not more people haven't played this game because this game deserves to be celebrated. And I think it is so fucking amazing. I I need more people to play this game. So I'm playing it on PlayStation. I think it's great. It's a good fit there. I think it's on every platform, although I would say get a bigger screen because some of these screens are so detailed. I don't think that they're going to show up properly on a switch. Yeah. You're not going to, you're going to appreciate it, but man worth your time. If you listen to the show, if you listen to me, if you give a damn about anything that I say, this game is worth your time. I won't poo poo anything. But I remember liking it a lot and having a couple little issues with it. But you talking about it again so highly, I'm going to go back to it. 
Um, oh, man. Because I brought so it to good. the show. I think I you brought did. it I think you first. played it first. Yeah. And I, there was a lot to like here. And it's it's to, to go back to our unique thing, right? Totally unique. Totally weird. And totally blew me out of yeah. the water. Like, I wasn't expecting yeah. it at all. Um, I'll say this, though. And I didn't mention this when we talked about it last time. But when I was a kid, uh, I would draw in my notebooks like a lot of kids. And um, I did this thing that I don't know if anyone's ever done. So I'm going to say it on the podcast where I would draw like, um, okay, so some some two forces, right? So like good guys and bad guys or whatever. Uh, I just look at the hero versus the enemy or something. And I draw the map, right? And then the, the hero or the hero forces on the left and the you know bad on the right. And then I would shoot, like I'd shoot each other, right? But the shooting would be a, a, a line, with a pen uh, and so like it would like i would count it as like a almost like a video game where like when it shot i would draw a line and then i'd draw an explosion um and then am, am i losing you no no i'm, I'm okay I'm rapt attention i'm, I'm okay and imagining then, this in my mind and then the enemy would have to shoot back and basically i like started adding up the explosion things which i kind of did randomly to see if like how much land mass was left it was almost like a land war <laughs> and and I would basically make these little stories that were happening because of like how much land is left, and it was almost like a video game in a way. I, I don't... mean, that sounds like DLC for this game. That would fit right in. <laughs> you just draw lines and explosion. Draw another line, explosion. I don't think anyone. I don't know if anyone ever done that, but it was a huge thing for me. I had many notebooks of that. Many notebooks. I did. I did. I mean, that sounds fun. That sounds like exactly the kind of thing that you would do at that age, and that. That spirit, that energy, that enthusiasm that you're using to describe your game is 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 what's captured there you in go. the Legend of Riot. It's that same kind of vibe. So I should have made ad for it. Jeez, Louise, man, get me on there. Dodge roll marketing. Dodge roll marketing. There you go. There you go. Uh, number six. You're six. You're six. Go. It's you. You yeah. are. What is your six, Carlos? And then we're getting to the top five. Oh my god, we're almost we there. Go. We're almost there. This one is. Oh, I love this game so much. Um, I just wish there was more of it. But right now, there isn't any DLC. Valkyrie Elysium. Oh, okay. I was wondering if you were going to bring this one to the show. Yes. Um, so Valkyrie uh, Profile, a bunch of other, uh, I think there's a couple of other spin-off games. That is an old school style game. This is a new style, third person action RPG. So it's definitely changing the way uh, it was in the past, which Valkyrie Leneth, or Profile Leneth, just released, by the way. Um, and I have a copy of it because I bought the digital version. Um, that is definitely like a turn-based game with some action elements, but this Valkyrie Elysium is just run around, hit things, do a million combos, and it's just really fun. And you remember, I brought it to the show as the demo, could not get enough of the demo. I played the shit out of that thing. Yeah, you played that thing back and forth. Yeah, I beat the demo or whatever it is. And, um, and even though my progress did not save, I still bought the full game when it came out. And the two reasons I love it the most, one, and this is a weird reason, but it does feel so satisfying to just smash things in that game. Like, I think the mechanics of the moving is so good, where I love dodge rolls. So the dodge roll is, I think, impeccable, fucking great. There's also, like, a kind of a magical, you know, ability dodge roll. So there's a couple different dodge rolls. All the weapons, similar to a Monster Hunter or Dark Souls, have, like, different uh, abilities so you keep finding new ones and figuring out which is the one you want to kind of you know hone in on and then each one of those weapons has a whole skill tree like its own skill tree and some of the moves are similar but a lot of them are different so there's just so many permutations of how you can attack things 
And when the attacking feels so fun, it's like I'm a kid in a candy store. Or I don't know what, what the metaphor is. A kid is in it? a candy store where they sell melee. punches to people. Yeah. <laughs> a kid in a melee store. That's a kid good in name a for a po- podcast. <laughs> kid in the melee store. Um, yeah, it just felt endlessly fun to do the movements. Like this is my number one game on this whole list for this part, which okay. is like I would pick a game and play it all year. If I, it's just really fun to move around and fight, you know, especially in an RPG setting. And then the other reason I like it is because it's such an interesting story, which is similar to the old story, where you play this goddess who isn't really, it's kind of made, uh, you know, you're formulated by uh, a higher power, Odin, and you're gone, going down to like this planet to do stuff and save souls. So it's kind of a different story there. And then you realize that Odin's, uh, ideas are maybe like kind of mischievous and you're like sure. what's really going on here Odin and then it was a really satisfying ending which I can't ruin but it was like an epic ending you know it wasn't like a oh now maybe you know it's it's better I guess it's like no everything's changed now you know like the ending's that <laughs> different I wish I could tell you it I kind of just spoil it no, no, don't spoil it because people okay. are going to play this game they're going to hear should play you talk game. about it they're going to play this game and don't they should it. be happy that the ending is like no, a really big change happened. <laughs> you know, like all that stuff you did, it was it was for this one big thing that happened. And that was like a great satisfying ending. So, Plot I can twist. Yeah. I just want them to be a DLC. Uh I don't know what it would be because that ending is pretty definite. Um but man oh man, I had a fucking great time with that game. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Right on. Um let's see number we're talking about number six. six yeah, that was number yeah. six. six. Uh, so this is probably my most conventional, uh, maybe not the most conventional, but my second most conventional choice uh, of the year. Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Um, this is, of course, the second in the Mario plus Rabbids series on the Switch. Turn-based tactics uh, where you take the Mario crew and the Rabbid crew, put them together and do, you know, kind of XCOM style uh, tactics in different battlefields in this uh, Mario themed area. Uh, it's just, it's great stuff. It's just, it's super solid. It's really solid. It's frictionless. There are no difficulty spikes. There's no problems. All of the issues I had with the original game, and I didn't have many because I thought the first game was great. I loved it and actually finished it. Um, uh, they, they, they took my complaints about that first game and fixed them. And it's just one of those games is just so smooth. You know, like once you start, it's just like, you just keep playing and it just it just kind of rolls on. And I think this definitely qualifies as being in the chill zone where it's interesting and it's fun. And you can ramp up the difficulty if you like. I mean, I think there's like I want to I don't know if there's like five difficulty levels, but there's definitely multiple difficulty levels. So you can get some challenge if you want it, but if you want to chill, they also have a pretty good chill level. And just I just enjoy the character interactions. I love the way that they have incorporated mobility into the game where they use Mario's jumping ability and they take away the grid so that you can kind of move around the battlefield as you wish. Uh, there's lots of interesting flanking maneuvers that happens, lots of jumping around, lots of sliding, stuff that you think Mario would probably do. And they incorporate that rather than like uh, bolting him to like a grid, which wouldn't really make a lot of sense. It would probably work, but I think what they've done is actually much more true to the Mario spirit. Um, it's just really, it's beautiful, runs great on the Switch. I think it's 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 entertaining, uh, tons of content if you want it, lots of interesting characters to work with, synergies and stuff like that. It's just, it's just like the total package if you want um, turn-based tactics. And I think it's just really great. I mean, no complaints at all. It's just really, really good. Good all the way through. It's just straight up good. Straight up good. That's all it is. Just good. 
There you go. There you go. Number six. All right, Carlos, number five. We now cracked into the top five. Carlos is number five of 2022. Oh, what is it? Let's go. So um, I will say this is kind of a foreshadowing. Uh, three of the games in this list are, I think, the three games I played the most this year. Okay. Okay. And this one is no exception. I played a fuck ton of hours of Saints Row. Saints Row. I knew this was on the list. Yes. Um, again, much to the chagrin of other people who don't like it. I'm going to say why I subjectively did like it. Um, again, like we also say on the show, when a game comes out in the right place, right time, are you feeling that game? Are you feeling that kind of mode? I was feeling like I wanted to jump into a GTA game. I'm not going to get GTA 6 for a while still, probably. Um, and I wanted more old school Saints Row. And that's what this game is. It doesn't sugarcoat it. It's not like an epic you know, uh, experience. It's really, really fucking fun. And I think, uh, it, contrary to popular belief, that the story between you and your friends actually gets pretty damn good near the end, similar to Somerville, where you have to finish this game, which I did. Uh, I went above and beyond. I more than finished it. And near the end, you really start to feel connected to these friends. Um, I'm going to say the quick tangent of, in this era right now of Carlos, I haven't really got to hang out with as many people as I wanted to in IRL for a last like two years. And it takes sometimes just like a good game to make you feel that way. Right. Yeah. Uh, middle yeah. of pandemic, I was with Pan Am and we were like dating, you know, going talking to uh, what's his butt. Um, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? I mean, this game was similar. Like I wasn't doing a lot. Um, yes. Some of the dialogue is garbage, right? It's like old school corny. But even with the old school corny, some of it's pretty real. Like they talk about corporations just firing people. They talk about student loans. They talk about, you know, not being able to make it in the world um, because of fucking bullshit. So I was like, is this kind of corny old school game like getting to me? Because I think it is. And near the end, you like play like uh, like LARPing with one of the guys and you're like, really bonding it's fucked up it's crazy I, I can't believe more people don't see this but i really felt really connected to them and this really cool satisfying ending um with all of them hanging out and then yeah i, I went above and beyond and like kept playing it afterwards because you can do all this other stuff i think it's fucking great i think it's fucking great that sounds good i i'm a definitely a saints row fan for sure i didn't play this one just for one reason or another, but I think I'll probably snatch it up next time I see it on sale. I didn't buy anything over the Christmas sales because um, I needed to get my family presents and money is money. So I'm not like a rich person by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but the next time I see it on Super Sale or if you see it on Super Sale, like on PSN or something, uh, give me a shot. And I think I'm going to dip into this one uh, when the time comes. So Yeah, I think it's just relaxing overall. Like if you're talking about chill, like, man, it's and there's like a million accessibility options. So you can make this, you know, however you want to play it. So it's fucking great. Right on, right on. Uh, my number five, this is one that I absolutely loved, Sucker for Love, First Date. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was on PC. This is one of the rare games that was good enough to get me to actually play it all the way through on PC because I generally don't like to play on PC. That's saying it something. Yeah, it doesn't fit with my life. I don't I don't like to be at my computer when I'm on my off time. Um, I, I'd much rather chill with my family in our, our console game zone, and it just... PC just doesn't work for me in general um, for a number of reasons. But this one was good enough to get me to get down to my PC and I played the entire thing, finished it uh, three three times even. Um, it's a dating simulator, but it's also a comedy game, but it's also a point and click, but it's also a horror game. 
uh, with Cthulhu overtones. Um, it's just a blend of all those things, but it's really cute and fun. Um, I think they are doing some interesting things with the dating sim because you are dating, but it's also kind of a, a puzzle in some ways. And there's also different uh, dialogue choices. And I think the voice work is also phenomenal. I think they, it really sells it. Um, the first girl, I guess, that you go on a date with, who's also like a cosmic entity, her name is Lynetta, and she looks like Cthulhu's little sister, tentacles and green wings and stuff. I just, I, I fell in love with her. I thought she was so cute and so fun, and I just loved hanging out with her. I thought that was like the best. And um, the game just kind of takes different aspects as you go on. Your second date is with a different girl, and she's a totally different personality. And the third date really cashes in hard on the unattainable MILF vibe, which I really appreciated. So I thought it was just great. Um, this game is also, I will say, age appropriate. There's no uh, there's no nudity. There's no triple uh, X content. I think it's a perfect candidate if they were to do that. Be happy to kick them five bucks for that, but that's not one of the choices. So if you're interested, but you don't want to play a porn game, this is not a porn game by any stretch of the imagination. It is just like a, a lighthearted dating sim game. There's definitely some horny elements to it, but it's nothing, well, nothing and, explicit. And some horror elements. I mean, there's are parts that are pretty kind of Oh, yeah. Creepy. There's definitely, definitely some creepy stuff. There's some horror. Um, so I think it was just really cool. Another one of those games that kind of pushes the envelope, you know, kind of like the council that I mentioned, which isn't even from this year. I don't know why I keep bringing it up, but it's a great game. And also, or like uh, Legend of Two Books, where it kind of pushes point and click forward. I feel like Sucker for Love kind of pushed um, the dating sim forward cut. It is a dating sim, but it also feels not at all like a dating sim. It shows you what else a dating sim can be. And I had just the greatest time with it. And just FYI, it is coming to Switch in the first quarter of 2023, so very soon. So if you don't want to play it on PC, uh, it is coming to Switch. It'll be for, it'll be great for the Switch, and it's going to have new content. I believe there's either a new girl to date or there's some kind of extra campaign or something. So there is there is a reason to come back to it if you have, uh, if you're not played it yet. So Sucker for Love, first date, I thought was fantastic. Cool, yeah, it's excited it's on your list. And again, it's one of those similar things where like, um, blew our expectations away in a different way because I was like, Absolutely. I was like kind of scared <laughs> in the beginning of that game. <laughs> it is that. a little bit scary for sure. All right. Uh, okay, Carlos, number four. What you got for number four? Well, these are probably going to be easy to to call out for now, I think. Or you'll, you'll know which ones they are. But um, right. Star Ocean, Divine Force. Okay, all right. Got to put it on the list. I spent, I don't know, crazy amount of hours in that game. Beat it, then kept playing it for a while, even though the ending is so long. I'll say the negative up front real quick is that it is super long. A couple of main reasons I liked it. One, it's third-person action RPG, so that's going to get me in. But two, like I played the demo, uh, or like I talked about in the demo, you have this little kind of orb spaceship thing that floats around with you, and it can basically let you fly, and that helps you find new things, but also the combat is so addictive because your little orb thing let you fly and then do combos and attack people because you're flying. Uh, you never played the demo even, right? I don't think. Uh, no, I th- no, no. I missed the demo. I didn't know about it. And then they took the demo down. So I haven't had a chance to play okay. it. Yet, no. It's just hard to explain that mechanic. Uh, you just kind of have to play it because I've never really, again, back to the list, never really ex- experienced uh, combat like this where you can just run around and swing your sword and dodge and do that kind of stuff and magic. But you can also just use this little robot companion and soar through the sky and also be attacking while you're doing that. Like, it's super addictive. I can't explain it. Um, So then on top of that, it really (laughs) unbelievably covered a lot of topics. It went into the pandemic. Like, at some point in this game, you wear masks and you wear them for a long time. 
It's not just like one story, right? It's like, oh shit, there's a disease going around. It's really bad. Uh, everybody can catch it. We have to wear masks now. And I really appreciated that they recorded the voiceover with masks on. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Like it's it, it's not like you know just corny and like it's a aesthetic or like a skin. You know, it was like no, all the voiceovers now in masks. Um, and then also there's stuff about AI and there's stuff about uh, corporations and there's stuff about what are we gonna do when it, if there's a singularity. Like it's really intense, dude. Um, so yeah, I like that. I just love the gameplay. And I like how far it went with the story. It's epic. It's like what I live for. I live for epic RPGs, and I really live uh, for epic sci-fi RPGs. So, love it. Right on, right on. I'm always up for another sci-fi RPG. There, you're right. There, there are not that many. No. Um, and it's weird because I feel like it's a, a genre that's really ripe for exploration. I feel like, I feel like the ones we get, not to not to bash an entire industry here, but I feel like the ones we get are all pretty similar to each other in terms of theme and aesthetic i feel but i feel like there's an entire world that we just haven't really tapped into yet so i feel like there's there's much fertile ground to cover so i would i would strongly encourage any developers listening and i know they all listen to the show please um do a sci-fi rpg and do something a little left of center like i would love to explore that ground more so well and that and the thing is real quick that you thought of is that when you do sci-fi rpgs you're allowed to like tackle uh topics that are more modern Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because they, they were able to do those things. They just talked about because of, you know, the modern sure. uh, stuff that's in there. Like, you know, people from our time period and our reality or whatever you want to call this is, uh, you know, we know about um, the, the advancement of AI and we're thinking about that now. We're like it's on top of our mind. Right. And so this game can tackle that. But like a, a Zelda can't. Right. Yeah. So, and that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, and and really that's one of the strengths of sci-fi in general anyway. I mean, sci-fi has always been used for discussion of current topics, of current fears, political issues that you can't maybe discuss easily if you were to just discuss them straight out. And so it's always been a great way to couch those those talking points. So I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, this game carries that forward. I mean, that's that's absolutely in the sci-fi tradition. So Exactly. Great, great job. Uh, number four, uh, maybe a little controversial for you, perhaps. Uh, Grime, Colors of Rot. I picked that oh. as my number four for the year. I I played this because you brought it to the show. So this I know. Is I feel fault. proud. I feel proud. It's, it's not, I don't you feel bad. Me. I feel proud. Yeah. You inspired me. Uh, I jumped into it, and I clicked with it. And I, I got to be honest, man. I, I could not put this game down until I finished. I did finish it a couple days ago. Uh, I just played it all the way through. I went back in and got some of the secrets and stuff and got some extra weapons. Just fucked around for a little while. Which really says a lot because I, 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 you know, with all these games that I played this year, very few did I bother to finish and even fewer did I bother to fuck around with once I finished them. Like, that's very small number. So I thought Grime was great. I mean, I loved the themes. Um, I think the opening cinematic is really interesting and bizarre. But then when you finally come full circle, it makes perfect sense. And I really loved the story that it told, um, although it does take some cues from Souls in that the story is not exactly straightforward. Um, I feel like it was way more understandable and really approachable. And by the time I rolled credits, I'm like, yeah, I know what's going on. I got it. I, I know what's happening here, which is something that I can't say for other Souls likes. Um, so I appreciated that. Uh, I felt like the controls were dialed in. I felt like the graphics were great. A lot of like weird stone slash bioorganic kind of weird imagery. Um, there's some humor. Uh, there's a couple of really fucking awesome levels where something unexpected happens um, there's tons of secrets. I'm not a big secret hound, but if you like secrets, this game has like secrets falling out of its ass. So <laughs> many secrets in this game. 
Um, and there's also just like a, a really good implementation of platforming. I mean, this game really does it all. And it really bucked my expectations. Again, coming back to the the underarching, the underarching, the overarching, mm, overarching. the arcing, whichever. It's, it's, there's an arc in there somewhere. Uh, theme of the show of just like, again, being surprising or, or bucking expectations where, you know, I expected this to be a random 2D Souls-like because we're getting a lot of those these days. I played, I mean, I don't even know how many this year. I played at least like 10 and I didn't find any of them to really be worth my time. Uh, but this one does its own thing. It, it takes a different approach. It blends it with Metroidvania in a way that I like because I'm kind of tired of Metroidvania as well. But uh, this game just really got the best of both genres and, and added some some special sauce on top of it. Uh, man, I just had the greatest time with this game. I think it's really, really well done. And I want to say also, um, it's it's well done now uh, because they fixed a lot of stuff. I don't think that I would have played it all the way through if I had played it at launch because there were a lot of problems. Um, and the stuff that would have made me quit are things that they fixed. So I'm glad that I came to it like, I don't know, six months later uh, with this new patch. I feel like this is a really great time to get in. I feel like it's in good shape, much better shape than it was. And I had just the best time with it. So if you want a 2D Souls-like slash Metroidvania, I feel like this is really the one um, that is worthy of your time this year. It feels good. Like I remember, like both of us have brought games to the show and then other people, uh, the other person likes it a lot, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I feel like a proud papa in a way <laughs> the kid got you know grew up and became game of the year there it is he brought it to the show and he just thrived yeah exactly all right so that was grime colors of rot there you go carlos we are in the home stretch here number three top let's three these are the big go. boys let's do it what's your number three sir oh man i just i love all these i'm smiling right now just looking at the games like that's crazy that's that means i really like them I like all these like so much. Um, it's high in life. Okay. All right. High in life. All right. Good. good um, if you don't know what this is, it's Justin Moreland, one of the uh, creators, co-creators of Rick and Morty. Um, he has a company called Squanch Games. They made Trover Saves the Universe, Accounting, um, Accounting Plus. So many really good games that are comedy based. I do comedy kind of like for a living. It's really fucking hard. It's hard to make people laugh. And it's even harder in a video game because you have this really weird dynamic of the player deciding to do whatever the fuck, you know, they want. And then you trying to tell a joke or you're trying to make something funny. Um, I think, you know, Justin does a really good job of it. Now, this is, again, um, if you like that humor and Justin's humor, then you're going to love this fucking game. If you don't, you might not. But even that, it's a really good first person shooter game. I don't think you played it yet either, right? No, I haven't, but my uh, my son uh, dipped into it. He said he really liked the comedy a lot. He said it was really funny. So the comedy's great. Uh, I think even if you don't like Justin's stuff uh, wholeheartedly or like super fan, you, it's still really good. I'll say two other reasons why. Um, but the combat itself is like fucking fun. Like you get these guns that are talking guns, and each one is a, uh, a different uh, voice actor. I won't su- spoil it, but like they're really big names in the comedy world. Um and it's just cool as shit to, to have them, you know, say these different things. It, it's hard not to talk too long about this, but like everything you do in the game, those little guns can say something. If you have a certain gun out at a certain mission at a certain time, they'll say something. It, it won't be the same as what the other guns would say. You know what I mean? Something specific, depending on the situation, depending on the gun, right? Yes. And that's very a different playthrough. Like I found a gun that I is voiced by... Well, I'll just say uh, a character or Tim, Tim from uh, I Think You Should Leave, which is one of my favorite comedy series of all time. 
And I was like, oh, it's Tim? Fuck every other gun. I want to hear exactly what he would say for the rest of the game. And that's what I did. So my playthrough was with him, right? Because I wanted his humor. And, and then which, I, weapon, which weapon is he? He's just a big gun that has shoots little babies out of it. And the little okay. baby aliens all like die after a while, but they go attack the enemies and then they die. So he's like, it's tragic, really. <laughs> but uh, anyways, let's shoot more of them. So anyways, it's fucking great. And then at some point, yeah, they make you have to have certain guns for certain parts. But it's just a, a really weird, funny game. I don't want to say too much about it. But the other reason I love it is because, specific to me, I know of uh, YouTuber Joel Haver, who's featured in this game. So Joel, if you followed him on YouTube and you know who he is, I think he's brilliant. He's really funny. He's honest. He makes a lot of weird shit. Um and he's not only voice acting in this, but he has a lot of little cartoons in it. So you just go up to a TV and watch one of his shorts. Um, fucking great, dude. This game is so funny, smart. It does some really cool things at the end, and it's a satisfying ending. Um, and when you beat it, you can go back to the game, and it knows that you beat it. You know, that's one of my I love, I love when that things happens. that I hate, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, you beat the game? good for you fucker or whatever you know like keep playing guess if you want you know um and you can and i did i kept playing yeah. to do things i didn't do and I like when that happens i like when people recognize what you've done i think that's pretty yes cool. and the reason i went back by the way is there's like four full-length movies in this game like b movies yeah and one of them is an unlockable that you don't even have to beat the game i went back just now and beat it like found the unlockable and it's a movie in a movie theater with mystery uh Theater 3000. Theater yeah, 3000. Yeah. yeah. It's basically like that, uh, like for the whole movie. So you could just watch it with those guys talking about it. So it's a fucking great game. Holy shit, dude. It's just what I wanted, and um, I recommend it. Right on. Right on. I downloaded it off of Game Pass. I haven't gotten to it yet, but uh, I'll dip in. I don't know if that's my style or not, but I'll give it a shot, especially since it's, uh, you know, free, quote unquote, free on Game Pass. Yeah, I don't think uh, it's your humor, but um, I'm just saying maybe, maybe yeah. it will be, but. Uh, you never know. You never know. It's really fun. Like the mechanics themselves are super fun. So, all right. My number three is one that you've already mentioned Vampire Survivors. This all was number right. three for me. Yeah. So, you talked about it a little bit. I'll just quickly add um, this was really, again, surprising, unexpected. I looked at screenshots of this and I'm like, that looks kind of boring. I don't understand why people are so excited about it, but I kept hearing about it over and over and over and over. And everybody that talked about it was raving. And so I felt like I had to give it a shot. And I knew it was coming to console. Oh, man, you don't even want to know how many times I emailed the PR rep. I feel bad for that dude where I'm like, bro, console, what's up? And he's like, later, 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 later. And then all of a sudden he's like, it's here. Kind of just surprised well, me. Well, to um, his credit, he they and to you, to your point all the time, it was early access. They were trying to yeah, get yeah. it all buttoned up, and they did. I'm glad they did because I did not play it until the, you know, the 1.0 when it came to console. Had a bunch of fixes, had a bunch of extra stuff in it. And it was great. It was a, a frictionless really smooth fun experience really engaging um i i wasn't sure what to expect and once I, you know the first game i'm like what what the hell's going on what's happening here and then once i figured it out i'm like okay yeah this is actually really cool and you just kind of get in this groove this kind of zen mode where you're just focusing on your level ups and you're just kind of like moving around the crowd and you're managing things and you're trying to think about what the next thing you want to power up is and like it just all comes together really amazingly but i think the thing that really sells this experience is the number of unlockables and like all the to-do lists. I think this is the perfect kind of game where where I do want a to-do list. I don't always, but I feel like this is the perfect game for it where 
you, you play a run. The maximum run is like, you know, unless you're doing something special is 30 minutes. You can go longer than 30 if you're if you're being fancy. But in general, 30 minutes is your maximum run, which is a pretty reasonable time. And in that period of time, I mean, if you plan it, you can check off two, three, four things off the list and almost everything unlocks something else. And so if you like that feeling of getting a short playtime in and getting uh, a satisfied feeling, feeling like you made some kind of progress, it's it's perfect for that. It's like it's just like clockwork where you're like, OK, I played around. I unlock something. Feel good. Got to bounce. Got to do my dishes. Got to go to work, whatever. Come back. Play another 30 minutes. Unlocked another thing. Felt good. The perfect like little dopamine drip, you know, like it really kept you going. Yep. Bite size and approachable action and the checklist was all just wonderful stuff. Uh, also Castlevania theme, which was kind of neat. Nice to see all the little nods and stuff. So I thought it was great. I, I 100% of this game. My wife also 100% of this game. This game was a big hit at our house. We both really went for it in a big way and I just had a great time with it. So definitely one of the surprise hits of the season. Vampire Survivors, I feel like it's pretty much a must play. Even if you don't like it, I feel like you have to at least try it because it's just one of those games that just is so, it's such a presence this year. Yeah. And not to toot my own heart again, but you that's brought it to the show? another one of my kids that made you it. You did. You did. How many kids you got? You're starting to look like Nick Cannon up here, buddy. I know. Um, I'm glad they're all virtual. <laughs> no shit. I don't have enough money for myself. <laughs> I, I, I don't think Nick Cannon has enough money for himself. You yeah. certainly wouldn't have enough money. All right. Let's do number two. We are we are in the home home stretch. Number two, Carlos. What well, is your number two? I'm surprised. I'm I know that one of ours is going to be the same for this. Then yes, yeah, so we're going to pick the same one. Yeah, it's well probably I, for, I the, know for the same pick. spot too. I guess no. Oh, no, oh. Now you just told me what's happening. Okay. Well, my number two is Stray. Okay. Um, the reason that's pretty high. Are you sure? It's pretty high. Am I sure? <laughs> I'm 100 percent sure. Wait, are you? Did you do something like that before? I had to just get a little dig in there. Go okay. Ahead. Also, because I think one time you were like, I said a score one time this year, and you're like, are you sure that's what you want to score it? And I was like, maybe. Yeah, you motherfucker. <laughs> that's what I said. Um, I might have changed it. But anyway, so Stray is a perfect example of, and uh, the only time probably this year, maybe Valkyrie Elysium, I'll say. Valkyrie Elysium and this game were the games where I was like, okay, this is what I think it is. This is exactly what it is when I start playing it, right? Like mm -hmm. I saw the trailer long time ago and was just excited about the idea of playing a cat in a cyberpunk world, futuristic world with robots. I was like, I'm in. You take my money, just take it. And the graphics looked amazing back then in a trailer. And, you know, it could just not be the same when you play it. Sure. Um, and also the, the movement. I saw the cat moving. It looked like a realistic moving cat. And I was like, wow, that looks cool. Hopefully that's not a cutscene, And that's actually the game. That's what the game's like. You know, it's the most realistic cat simulation I've ever played. Now, that's divisive because some people don't like that. The fact that you can't, like, there's no jump button. There's no, like, running around platforming. But it's not that fucking game. It's a game where you play as a cat. You can do very few things, and so can a cat, right? If anything, you can do more things than a cat because, you know, you definitely help attack things without spoiling too much. Because uh, you meet a little robot companion. And, you know, there's more than a, a cat does. But at the same time, it's very much a cat game. It's very much what I thought from the trailer, right? That's what it was. The other reason I love it so much, back to what we said again on this list, is it's a short experience. It was, I, I took a little bit longer because I just like the world. But it's a shorter game. I really love the ending. And I really love the end or the beginning. So it's like the beginning starts like 
in just really cool way of just simple, simply being a cat. And then later on near the end, it's a pretty sad ending. It's miniature spoiler. Um, but I think that's actually good. You'd want to see it. And it really kind of tells an interesting story about humanity kind of in a way. So yeah, just all the way through surprised by the things that I could do as a cat. I know you didn't like it as much. I'm going to put that asterisk next to it. Um, <laughs> and some people like maybe got bored or something, but for me, it's just, it fit the bill of what I wanted, right? Expectations is like, can I move around as a cat? Does it look really realistic? Is there an interesting story? If you give it time and finish it, will you like that ending of a story, which I did. Uh, and I did. So, uh, it's for me, like I said, in the, my, what's it called? Metacritic review. Yeah, you did. You reviewed it. Uh, 10 out of 10. Like it's, it's what I want out of a game like that. It did what I, I wanted. That is amazing. I, I got to say, you caught me by surprise with this one. I had kind of forgotten about Stray and to see that it is your number two. Well, I know what your number one is now, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's surprising. I mean, I know a lot of people liked it. It was not my cup of tea, but I know you liked it a lot. And uh, number two is saying a lot. And you did give it you did give it a 10 out of 10, which is, uh, I mean, it's, it's yeah. on Metacritic. You can look it up. It's, if it's, it's not 10 out of 10, it can't be high, lower on this list. I mean, think about it. Just I, I can really quick mini, miniature um, rationalize. High in life, I know it's going to be funny. It, you know, whatever. Star Ocean RPG, Saints Row, it's Saints Row, Valkyrie Elysium, Elysium Action RPG. All these games, I kind of know what they're going to be, right? Um, I mean, we were surprised by some of them. But Stray was like this thing where I never played it as a cat. It's cyberpunk. I saw a trailer. It just feels like a dream. <laughs> you know, it didn't feel like it was even a real game. And when I played it, it just hit all the expectations of what I want it to be. So it's like, yeah, that's it. That's the game there I you want. Go. There you go. Number right. two. Nicely summarized. Carlos's number two. All right. Excellent. For me, number two, Elden Ring. That is my oh, number two. I'm very surprised now with your number one. Oh, man. So Elden Ring is great. I mean, I, I'm sure that we're... Are we going to be talking about it next? Is that oh. your, is, Should we talk about it now? We have to talk about it now. It's my number one. Okay, because that's your number one. I figured it was going to be... And we did a whole just, Elden cast, so we can't talk we too did. much about it. We but. did. I mean, I think everybody's played Elden Ring. If you haven't played it, you've certainly heard about it. It was... You know, for me, it was great uh, because it was a return to form for From in many ways. Uh, because I, you know, I'm a Souls fan, and I'm a From fan from from way long ago. I I loved From even before Souls was a thing. Uh, they've put out many games and were around for a long time before Souls. Um, so I I'm a big fan of them of their ways and and what they put out. And this is kind of like the the encapsulation of everything that they've learned from Souls, and then kind of kind of pushed even further. Um, you know choice and customization and doing things your own way has always been a from hallmark even before souls when we're talking about kingsfield when we're talking about armored core we're talking about their other games um they have always been really big on letting you do things the way that you want heavy character tank character magic character uh stealth character sword character like whatever there was always ways that you could tweak it for yourself and that was you know that was true in souls as well uh but they kind of got away from that at the end uh, you know, Bloodborne narrowed it down uh, to a degree in which you still had some choice, but I felt like it was a little bit more limiting, more constrained. And when they got to Sekiro, that was like their ultimately most confining uh, choice. You had to play very prescriptively. You had to parry. You had to be a quick ninja. I mean, yeah, there was a couple weapons. Yeah, you could change a couple things. But in general, you had to play the game the way that they wanted you to play it. And that didn't quite work for me. Number one, because that, that isn't really their studio's philosophy. And number two, because the way that they chose wasn't something that worked for me personally. Yeah, I know me, a lot me of people, neither. It scared yeah. me. It scared me away from the, their games. 
Yeah, Sekiro was, uh, I mean, there's some cool parts to it, but overall, probably it's not my favorite from game by a long stretch of the imagination. So I was getting a little bit concerned at that point, um, thinking maybe I was going to jump off the from ship. But they they righted the ship. They went back to choice and customizability and letting you play the way that you want. And I think that's really ultimately epitomized in Elden Ring. There's so many different kinds of characters you can play. So many classes, you know, magic, melee, short melee, long melee, like bow and arrow or like, you know, whatever. Like there's a, a billion different ways you can build your character, which is awesome. But also uh, having the open world, I think, is the next logical step forward because they were kind of starting to repeat themselves with their previous Souls games. It was getting a little stale and I, you know, I didn't want them to do that. They have a history. Uh, I didn't want them to make that mistake again. And they didn't. They pulled back, changed it up. And I think that open world was really where the series needed to go. I think it was a, a, an enormous world, one of the biggest virtual worlds must be. Uh, and if not in square footage, then certainly for the density of content it felt like every time you went around a fucking rock you found a new dungeon or you found a new sword or you found a new monster like you couldn't go five fucking feet without finding something that was interesting and i think that's great you know like i was constantly just wanting to explore more and wanting to see what was over that hill and what was down that gulch and what was in that cave and yeah. doing all these things um so that was great and i think that was just pushing the whole souls genre forward in the way that it needed to go by the people who invented the genre which is perfect and also the thing that was kind of the cherry on top of this whole sunday was at the co-op. I played almost the entire game co-op with my wife, and that was a fucking fantastic experience. My wife is an amazing player. I love her very much. She's my best friend, my life partner. Um, and I you know, I love spending time with her. And the ability for us to play this game together, uh, just basically like 99.9% .9 of the way was awesome. Um, the downside, which I bitched about many times on the show, was like when you play with a partner, you get invaded all the fucking time. Oh, yeah. Like way more than is, than is acceptable. Um, so I wish they would have dialed back on that a little bit because we were getting invaded, no joke, like literally like every two minutes. We couldn't even finish the level because we get invaded so many times. It was like a joke where we would play with each other. And if it was during the day or like during a time when I knew people were playing, we didn't even try. We're just like, OK, let's just wait for someone to invade us. And we would just do that for like an hour and we would just get constantly invaded. And that you sucked. couldn't turn that off? I felt like we could. Cannot turn point. it off. Cannot okay. turn it off. But uh, uh, but other than that, when we finally did get to play with each other, it was amazing. I love going through the levels with her, giving her backup, her giving me backup. I mean, that was just like the, the, the absolute cherry on this whole thing. So Elden Ring for me, I think I played 180, close to 200 hours, something like that. And I'm sure there's going to be a DLC coming. So fantastic experience. Loved it. Um, they still can't tell a story for shit, but that's okay because it was just fun to play and I had a great time with it. So. Yeah, I echo all that. I mean, I didn't play the co-op at all. I played, you know, solo, single player. But it's uh, you know I liked it for a different reason that way I get to lose myself in the world and just be like all encompassing. I mean this game was my all encompassing game for the year. Like yeah. every moment we, we talked about it probably six seven times in the show. Uh, we did a whole Elden cast. I think the the number one reason it was on my list also uh, well not number one but one of the bigger reasons is the fact that it was that FromSoft game that got me back like you were saying. Um, you know the open world is what I love. Mix that together with, you know, I have enjoyed the Souls games, but I always got mad or frustrated because they are very, like, at times linear or, um, you, know, uh, you know, there's a certain way to do things at times. And I just think that because it was so much more open, uh, it just gave me much more options to, 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 you know, in quotes, get good or just upgrade myself or whatever. Um, it's, it's hard to encompass why I love it so much. Number one being that it, it brought me over to the Souls games, which is cool. I mean, that's just like uh, uh, Cult of the Lamb bringing me over to roguelikes in a way. Yeah. But secondly, it's it's weird glitchiness of, uh, 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 you know, millions of people doing different things. Have you seen you could do this? And, 
you know, people talking about it, being in the zeitgeist, right? It's this like non-tangible thing, which is like playing it when everybody else is playing it. Everybody making YouTube videos and tweets and stuff like that about moments and you not knowing like, again, that there's a right way to play it. It's just like, hey, did you go to that place where that thing's there and there's like, um, you you know, you upgrade yourself early and then you can find that sword, you know, all that stuff. That just was captivating to me. I was just so blown away. Like, I didn't fight any major boss for like six hours or something because I followed this walk walkthrough where you could just upgrade yourself. And so I think I talked about in the show where it's like, when I did finally fight that first guy, like on the horse, I felt like I could handle him, you know, a little bit, you know, I wasn't just eating shit like what they want you to do, which is like walk up to him and die immediately. Um, That's defeating. That feels bad. But I went this other path, didn't even go near him, went to another land, you know, with cemeteries and stuff. And I collected a bunch of shit and upgraded myself. And then I went back to him. So I don't know. I've never felt more empowered in a, in a game where I think I would be underpowered. Uh, and I just kept finding new shit. And also, I got to say that because there are some weird, like, you know, history of glitches and things that you could do that you didn't know if you were supposed to do. And we talked about this on the show, but All like the exploits and stuff, exploits yeah. are part of the game in this game. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. They have been in Souls games, but I felt like they were epic in this one where, like I described it to you before. But just for anybody who had never heard one of the last bosses I beat by floating in the oh, air. Right. I remember you told me that. And I, I took off that story. I took a horse. Oh God, dude, I floated yes. in the air. I got past the stage that he was supposed to be on. And then it said you beat the boss, even though it's just floating in the air with a horse. I mean, I did that stuff because it was just fascinating. Um, I, I just fucking love it. It's so good. Now, the only DLC that's out now is a PVP, which I don't care about. Me neither. You, the same way. I did a little bit of invasion stuff and hated it. Didn't want to fight other people and feel like it was a battle royale. Um, but the single player part of it is just breathtaking. If there's any more DLC for single player, oh, you, you know, you I'm know in there's going to be some. There's yeah. going to be some. Okay, well, what there is, I'm going to be in in a second. But this is like a, I want to say, life-changing game for me. I agree, dude. I it agree. really, I, I can't even explain it. Like, and talk about, like, our list, a surprise. You know, yeah. for me to be like a Souls game is going to be life-changing. But this was everything to me. Like, this was 200 hours... I still think about it to this day. Yeah, I think you really, um, it's like this opened a door for you, right? Like this like kind of introduced you to this whole other aspect of like, of just like how to play games or like different, a different genre that you traditionally had stayed away from and you dipped in and you found something to like and you got a little taste of what other people were playing. And, you know, like maybe you didn't find that in the previous games, but this was the doorway. And I feel like it's, that's going to be true for a lot of people where, I, I, I mean, I would say having been a veteran of FromSoft for as long as I've been a developer, if you've never played a Souls game, I, I genuinely feel like Elden Ring is the place to get in um, because yeah. of all the quality of life, all the way, different ways you can play, the different choices you can play, how you can just mess around in the world and you're not funneled down a, a boss route if you don't want to be. Um, I think this is this is the entry point for people who may have been interested in Souls but have been scared away or just didn't like what they saw. This is this is the one, I think. So I can understand why you got into it. And I'm glad that you did. You know, you got in and if you didn't like it, that would have been fine too. But, you know, you were able to find your own fun um, you know, finding exploits, leveling up the way you want to level up and finding a weapon that worked for you and stuff. And, and just, and just seeing some of the cool things that from has done, you know, I think they kind of, um, they kind of get a bad rap in some ways. I feel like they kind of got high in their own supply when they got too much about, you know, prepare to die and the difficulty and, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all true and shit, but like that's never really been the best part about their games anyway for me. Like it's always been about the artistry and about having the self-expression by having their different systems and exploring these worlds and having all these cool moments. Um, it's never really been about the difficulty or proving myself by beating some hard boss. And when I saw them going down that path of difficulty and difficulty and harder and harder because they kept listening to that little vocal section of their fan base that just kept wanting harder and harder games. It was honestly depressing to me, dude. Like I was feeling mm -hmm. like they were losing, losing the plot by going down that route, shutting off so many people who otherwise would have really liked their games. Like there are people who play from games just to look at the scenery. There are people who play from games to do fashion souls. And they were losing like so many people who could have been fans who could have enjoyed their work because they were just catering to the prepare to die people. And I'm glad that they peeled back from that. Not entirely, but they really pulled away from that a little bit with Elden Ring. And I feel like ultimately it was to the benefit of everyone, I think. So I'm really glad to see them do that. I'm glad you got into it. And I love the game as well. Um, I mean, I had a great time. Number two game, put in like, you know, so many hours. Great, great stuff. Anyway, well, slice it. Well, and, and to that point, you just said like, it's so beautiful. It was such a really interesting, like different scenarios and different biospheres. And yeah. now, now you're in the volcanoes, now you're in the woods, now you're in a fog thing, you're in the snowy area. So yeah. every time I just got in that game, I just wanted to walk around and see things. And, and you saw so much. There was always something to see. so much stuff. And then there's like that weird library. And you're like, wait, I'm in a library, but now it's in a dungeon. It's just fucking amazing, the, the world building. And again, because they let you play it in different ways, I, I got to see that shit. If it was yep. a traditional yep. Souls game, I wouldn't have beat that boss before it, you know? Exactly. And I would have yeah. nope the fuck out, right? Um, I, I felt, like, really strong at the end, too, which I've never felt. Like, I remember, like, feeling, like, why didn't I beat that boss just now? <laughs> like, I should have just beat him. Like, my weapon's fucking badass, and I'm good at this game. And so I felt, yeah, really proud about how strong I was. Not because I got good and just beat something that was overly difficult, but because I did it my way and they you could let play me the that. way that you wanted to play. And that's yeah. really the beauty of it. Right. And the, yeah, absolutely. Do I get that 100%? And I share that same joy. I mean, that to me is really the beauty of a from game is it may be challenging, but you can play the way you want to play. It's not so prescriptive. You don't have to get good in the sense that people mean it. It's just like respect, get a different sword, have a different strategy, do something that feels good to you. And then, and then beat it that way. That's an amazing feeling. Yeah. I got some weapons at the end that just felt like, these are the weapons I've always wanted to play with. You know what I mean? Like, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, and I will say one more other glitch that was kind of fun. It was, um, and, and I spent three or four, no, maybe a week doing it. And again, what other game would I do this uh, that I talk about in the podcast where, yes, it's a glitch and an exploit, but it's also like, again, part of the zeitgeist and part of like, can I pull this off kind of thing, you know, which was there was this huge boss would take forever to level and beat him. But if you jumped on these little pedestals just the right way, you could go behind him before he started, like before yeah. he became like turned on and you could just kill him. But it took me a week again. <laughs> if it could have took me a week to level up, probably maybe whatever. But it was more fun to be like, it took me a week to just land on this one pedestal the right way to finally get behind him and kill him before he turned on. That's fun. I don't know why. Yeah. To me, that was just really fun to do it that way, too. Well, as long as you found the fun, man, that's all that counts. You know, that's really what games are all about is finding your fun. And, uh, you know, whether that's doing the pedestal jump or just beating them straight up or doing it co-op like I did. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I think the real the real takeaway is get in this world, enjoy what it has to offer, find the fun. That's really that's really what you got to do. That to be said, just be, to put it on record for game of the year, I beat a fucking ton of bosses just straight on normal because I was really good at that game. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just did. I also did exploits because it was funny. It was like I really weird. I also played the game normally, just just I for did. the record. No, <laughs> oh, that last two bosses before. Okay, the boss before the last boss, I beat his ass handedly. Handedly, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say the the last couple of bosses are all bullshit in that game. I don't like this. Well, the second, the very last boss is bullshit, like hundred percent bullshit. The boss before that, though, I beat him really easily, dude. Yeah, it's seriously, like, it's, like, it's like bullshit boss, good boss, and then bullshit boss is kind of I, that was my progression Wait, at the end of the game. Well, what's that one guy right before who with the pedestal and stuff? Right before uh, the big big other thing. I'm talking about the big wrestler guy. The wrestler guy. Oh, he was was that he, guy. Can completely fuck off. He can fuck off, but I, weirdly enough, I beat him on like second try. I think. Okay, that guy gave me more trouble than two tries, so I will say. Oh, then that guy I in between, him. I liked him and I beat him really easily. And then yeah, that, that last was thing that was, was a fucking bullshit. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so we're kind of on the same page. Anyways, okay, what's your All number right. one? Holy shit! Number one of the year, Citizen Sleeper. Citizen wow. Sleeper. Wow. Wait, I have three kids in this race. <laughs> My third kid has grown up to Proud be a Papa successful Carlos person. Rodella. Yeah, you wow. played this game before I did, and hearing you talk about it inspired me to play it. And this is actually my game of the year by a pretty wide margin. I love Elden Ring, don't get me wrong. Um, but Elden Ring was kind of an evolution of something that we saw before. Really well done, and I love it. I mean, again, it's my number two. But Citizen Sleeper, to me, was something altogether different. Um, it is a narrative-based game. It is an RPG. It is a sci-fi tale and talking about politics and talking about life. It's talking about friendship. Um, it's also like a dice game and a resource-based game. It's a turn-based game. Um, it's just like a little bit of everything all mashed together. And it doesn't really seem like it would be a good experience when you look at it on paper. But when you actually play it, I found it to be a really brilliant and incisive new way of providing an experience. Um, this is a story about you play a synthetic human, uh, artificial human, who is stowing away on a ship. You arrive at a space station at the end of the universe, and you're trying to just carve out a life for yourself. Um, and you, have, you can do that whichever way you want to. There's many different paths you go, but it's kind of a narrative visual novel style game, which also has a lot of RPG elements. And you can approach the stories in any way that you want to, which I felt like was pretty innovative. Um, you weren't locked into doing any one story first. Um, you also made lots of friends. You had lots of different choices that impacted the story. And the thing that I liked about this more is it really reflected personal growth in the sense that when you arrive in the station, you don't have anything. You're just a, a synthetic human. You're probably going to shut down pretty soon because you don't have energy, you don't have food, you don't have a place to be. But you make these friends, you make these connections, you do these side quests, you meet people, and you slowly build up like a support network. And the, the further you get in the game, the stronger you are and the more resources you have. But that makes sense because just like in real life, if you have more friends, if you have a support system, if you have people you can count on, then your your road is easier. Like it is a less bumpy road because you've got places that will, people that will catch you, places that can give you some rest when you need rest. Um, I feel like everybody in the world needs a good support network. We don't all have it. I'm not going to say that my support network is anywhere near as good as the one I had in Citizen Sleeper, but boy, I really envied what that character had. And I, I really appreciated that by the end of the game, I know one of the criticisms um, against this game was that it was quote unquote too easy. But to me, that's absolutely not the point. This is not supposed to be no, a difficult all. game. It's a story game. And by the end of the game, if you're playing this, it should be easy because you've got so many friends. You've got so many people who are interested in your welfare. You've got people who are supporting you and you should have resources. You should have a safety net. You should have the ability to make choices and determine your own outcome. So many interesting things happening in this game on so many levels. Uh, so many issues. There's like the real world. There's like the internet that you can go in. It's kind of like a little cyberspace. There's the, the politics of uh, low-income people versus high-income people. There's the politics of uh, 
who makes the rules in space. I mean, there's so many things to chew on. Um, it was just really, really thought provoking. I really got attached to these characters. And once I, I went through every single story, I maxed out the game as much as I could, except for the DLC. Uh, there's, I think, one more piece of DLC coming. and I'm going to wait till that drops before I go through it all. Uh, and I will go through that. But when I played the main game, I did all the stories, everything that I could find, everything that was there. And once I did that, I felt really satisfied because you can end the game at any point. Like, I think there's like 16 endings and you can get one ending and just be like, I'm good and be done. And that's a legit ending. But I wanted more, right? I wanted to meet more people. I wanted to do more things. And that was really, it felt like I was living this life on this station. I felt like I, I had my adventure with this person. Now they're a good friend. I can go back and visit them anytime. But now I'm going to meet some new people and I'm going to have this other adventure and I'm going to expand my social network and I'm going to meet these these other events. And by the time I did everything, I had like literally 16 chances to end the game. I never wanted to end the game because I wanted to still be on the station. Huh. It felt like I was building my life. And then after I'd done everything, finished everything, there was literally nothing left to do. I just stayed and I kept playing it because I felt so satisfied. Like I had carved out a niche for myself. Like I had made it. I came from nothing and built myself up and I had a place to stay and I had a pet and I had money and I had food and I had medicine and I had friends. And I'm like, this is fucking amazing. Like I wish real life was like this because I would, this would be great. Right. Like, um, I mean, it kind of is, but like they gamify everything. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah, shorthand yeah. for real life experience, but I was so satisfied with that journey. I just kept playing. I, I think I played it for like two more days after I beat the last ending. And all I was doing was just like, earning more mushrooms and earning more money and earning some scrap just because I just, I just wanted to feel happy and enjoy the thing that I built and the thing that I made in my new life. And it was just so perfect and on point for me. I love this game so much. I think it's really genuinely brilliant. I think it's a work of genius and uh, it's, it's just, it's so different and so fresh and so, so provoking in so many ways. I had just the best time with citizen sleeper. I'm so surprised that it made it to number one, but I'm very happy. And uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I didn't put as much time as you did, but it makes me want to go back to it 100%, you having it so high on your list. And I'll say this, there is something to that, like when a game can like make you so happy just to be in that world. Um, I would say it's similar in a different way with Saints Row, where like I didn't want to finish playing that because yeah. I was like, I just want to make the, now we can make a castle, right? We can make a skyscraper. We can get this other thing. I want to hang out with my friends still because yeah. you, you do feel like you have friends at the end of that. And there's a cat, by the way. It's a, uh, you have a pet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's there's something to that to like, man, that's speaking highly of the game. That, that's, that's exactly how I felt. Like how you felt about, um, about uh, Saints Row is exactly how I felt about Citizen Sleeper. Like I just, I want to check in with my friends once in a while. I just want to pet my cat. I want to go, uh, go down to the docks and see what's up and like nothing's happening but it just feels good to go down there and just to be like yeah man like I did this like this is everything is chill and cool right now because I made it that way and I just I really appreciate the feeling of course it's a game of course the developer wants you to do all this stuff of course it's not me really doing that but the fact that they did it in such a convincing way that really connected with me really says a lot about this game about the writing about the characters about the, the situation um, everything about it I felt like was just was top fucking shelf brilliant stuff um, nothing but admiration for this game. And I really feel like it is a required play if you're a game critic or or someone who cares about like where games are at right now. You, you have to check it out. Maybe you don't have to love it, but you got to check it out at least. So Wow, there you go. Check all those out. We did it. Top there 10. We go. Top 10. Top 10. I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted. I'm really I tired. am. This, I thought this was going to be a short show for some reason, but it's not. I don't know why you thought that. It's insanely that, long. Okay. This is a long show. Uh, I need to get a cup of tea. But before we go, before we go, we did promise to read the Picks and Pans from our listening audience, we had a lot of people send in some stuff. Carlos, I sent you a list. Do you have the list? I have the list. 
Okay, let's tag team these one after another. I'll go one, then you go one, just down the list, and then we will wrap it up, and that will be a bow on 2022, getting ready to start 2023 next show. But right now, let me start off. I will start off with Elijah. Elijah is the first person on your list, right? Yep. Okay, I will start with Elijah, and then you take the next one. We'll just go back and forth, okay? Okay. All right, I will start with Elijah, who is the unabridged gamer, uh, former writer at Game Critics, good friend. His top three favorite games of the year, Gotham Knights, Elex 2, mm-hmm. Paper Cut Mansion. And then we asked everybody for a dud, and I was surprised to see this one turn out to be such a dud, but I think it unequivocally was the Callisto Protocol. Yeah, I'm hearing that a lot from a lot of people. Yeah, everybody says that one's a miss. Elex yes, 2, that's a good pick, though, for uh, yep. my honorable mention. Absolutely. Uh, Andreas Tang, top three. Yes, Your Grace. Love that one. Uh, Planescape Torment. Classic. And Nowhere Profit, which I think we both oh, liked. Man. I love Nowhere Profit. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, Dud, Silent Hill 2. It, old school Silent Hill 2 then, right? It must be Silent yeah, Hill 2. because they're remaking that. <clears throat> I'm with him on that one. I know everybody loves that one and everybody holds it up as the best. That was a dud for me too. So I'm with you, Andreas. Uh, let's see. Next one comes from Kyle. It's either Levy or Levey. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but Kyle Levy, I guess. Um, top three this year, Elden Ring. Okay. Correct. Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Didn't connect with either one of us. Did you even play Xenoblade Chronicles I did, 3? and it didn't, but it's okay. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good RPG. That's okay. And Bayonetta 3. We haven't really talked about Bayonetta, so there, there's that one. And he says, I didn't play Death's Door until this year, but that was sort of a letdown, and I kind of feel you on that one, Kyle. Yeah, I think we both kind of like that. Um, Alex... Uh, Alex Pracken. Pracken. Number one, Elden Ring. You are correct. Uh, God of War 3, which I didn't play. Right? God of War Ragnarok, is he mean? It's got to be Ragnarok yeah, yeah. is what he means, yeah. Uh, and Beacon Pines, which you were supposed to play, or we both supposed to play. It's on Game yep. Pass, I think, right? Yeah. And he's uh, just and just as a side note, he is one of the Game Critics writers. He's a great guy. Okay. I want to check out Beacon Pines, actually. Yeah. And then I guess Letdown is Dream Cycle. I don't know what Dream Cycle is. Uh, it's a little indie story-based game. Yeah, he was pretty disappointed in that one. So, okay. Uh, next comes from Joe Moore. Top three, Immortality. Okay, respect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, God of War Ragnarok, which I feel like probably is on everybody's list in the whole world, so I get that. And he says Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, even with it running like rubbish. I know, I hear everybody saying it's, it runs yeah. bad. Uh, and he says the biggest dud for him was F122 Manager. Okay. Andy Robertson. Good top, old Andy Robertson. Top games, uh, Yono and the Celestial Elephants? Question mark? It's on Switch, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Okay, I don't know what that is. Oh, we hear this a lot. Uh, Dorf Romantic. Yep. You yep. love that game. It's fun. And uh, Before Your Eyes, also I don't know. That was the one, I believe, that it used your PC camera to track your eye movements. Wow, Because yeah. it's a story about um, being frozen in your hospital bed or something like that. Intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah his letdown, oh my goodness. Oh, it's just a specific version. Yeah, yeah. Citizen Sleeper's tech size that stopped him from playing. So, yeah, I you know I, I saw him talking to the developer on Twitter about this, and Andy Robertson from TamingGaming.com. I love Andy. Yep. Um, he was saying, I mean, I think Andy would absolutely love this game, but uh, I forget where he was playing it, but he just said the tech size was not working for him, and the developer, you know, he kind of apologized, but he just the way that he made the game, he was not able to upsize the text, which is a real shame because it's a wonderful game. I mean, I played on a really big TV, so I get it. Um. It would be a real shame if text is the only reason to keep a person out. So I hope that somehow that gets solved. It is a crime to not play this game because of the yeah. text. Uh, next one comes from Adderblack39. Love Adderblack. He always retweets the show. Thank you very much, sir. Always appreciate it. Top three, Tinykin, which a lot of people loved. I didn't, hmm. I didn't care for it, but a lot of people loved Tinykin. My wife liked it, too. 
Uh, Vampire Survivors, okay. And Stray. Correct. All right. Correct. He's talking her language here, and he says, uh-oh. He says Dying Light 2 was underwhelming. I want, I'm going to ask you a question, Edder Black. Did you finish it? Because, again, near the third act and the ending, it, it, gets, it picks up. Uh, I will say Infinite Backlog says, in, new, in no particular order, Horizon Forbidden West. Ooh. Okay. Uh, Plague Tale Requiem. God of War Ragnarok. And Rogue Legacy 2 is so close. We both enjoyed that game. Rogue it was a Legacy good game. 2. Good yeah. game. Let Down is probably mm. Dying Light 2. Oh, jeez. No. <laughs> and th- uh, through Bayonetta... Wait. Though Bayonetta 3 is currently quite disappointing, and I haven't played Close to Protocol yet. Uh, okay. All right. Fair. Fair. Uh, next comes from Omar C555. Wait. Omar C555. Yes. Sorry. Don't want to leave your extra five off there. Uh, number one, Elden Ring. Okay. Number two, Vampire Survivors. Yep. Philia. Number three, Midnight Suns. You know, I... Didn't finish that. I'm still working on it. I don't. I feel good that I didn't include it on any of my lists because the combat is amazing. Everything else is not amazing. So I feel like a sequel is going to kick ass. But I'm glad that someone mentioned Midnight Suns on this show. He says the dud, uh, Callisto Protocol again. Callisto Protocol. I hear that a lot. Yeah. Good friend Lelena makes the list. Okay, in third place. Oh, oh wait, wait, we've got to say we have to say first off. I I did edit her email for length because she said she didn't mind. She sent a pretty long email. Um, so this is her abridged version with her permission. <laughs> this is abridged, Elena? This is the abridged it's version. It's still long. All right. <laughs> In third place, uh, I never know how to say this, but Atelier uh, Sophie 2? Yes. I never can say that first word. Anyways, I'm surprised about this one not making the number one spot since uh, Atelier games are some of my favorites. I know that about her. Uh, the characters were as charming as ever, and having beat the first uh, Sophie game earlier in this year, I was happy to see where her next adventure would take her. I tried to get into those games so bad. They're definitely a, a vibe, so I'm glad she yeah. liked it. It's it's a thing. It's yeah. a thing. In second place, As Dusk Falls. I love this one. Uh, great nail-biter from beginning to end. The story had a way of making you feel empathetic to most of the characters. I agree with that. Even yeah. though some were complete a-holes on the surface. That's a good pick. That's a solid pick. That is true, and that's a good, that's a good pick. My number one pick, Triangle Strategy. This game was excellent. Uh, I won't consider myself an expert on tactics games, but I do like them. The battles were fun, and having to make excruciating choices and decide which one is slightly the lesser evil was compelling. Yeah, I did like that about it. I played the demo. Uh, I do like those games, and um, yeah, good pick. All right. Biggest letdown, and I agree with her wholeheartedly. We had a conversation about this offline. Made in Abyss. Uh, We both kind of like were watching the anime, uh, and she says, I don't watch a ton of anime, but I watched and loved Made in Abyss. I agree. Why the developer made a game for fans, uh, but forced you to play a long tutorial-like gameplay mode that has you play through the anime story is beyond me. You basically replay the anime you just watched. Yeah, you know, I, I Everyone said the second mode that unlocks is good, but I could not get through the hot mess of the first gameplay mode and I also agree. I had that same problem. I was like, why am I playing the anime story when I just want to get to the cool, like, survival game that you had in this? Uh, it's bullshit. I agree, Lelaine. That's, That's a strange. That's a strange call. All right. And our final listener comment. This is from Elio Compatelli. Uh, always a super fan. We always appreciate Elio writes in pretty often. So thank you very much. This one is also edited for length, just FYI. Uh, and Elio just chose what Elio chose. So even if they're not from this year, I'm just going to read them out. Uh, Because that's that's the way we roll on the show. 
Uh, first pick, Shadow of the Colossus, the PS3 version. It lives up to the hype. Absolutely gorgeous and sublime. Fighting colossi is exciting, tense, but also depressing. These gigantic living buildings are just minding their own business, being huge and cute. And then here comes this dumb kid who they did nothing wrong to, and he bothers and murders them. It's an absolute piece of art. Nice. <laughs> I love that description. That's really good. Uh, next is Sable, which is one that I keep meaning to get to. Oh, it's gorgeous. Uh, yeah, I keep meaning to get to it. It says, this little indie caught my attention during Steam Fest with a striking visual style, and it's gorgeous. Bold colors, thick outlines, simplistic aesthetics are incredible. I sometimes would just stop everything and watch the scenery. I really got to get to this one. It's really good. It says also, Star Wars Squadrons. My girlfriend bought a Quest 2 when she visited the U.S. this year, so this was the year of VR for me. I also bought a HOTAS, which is, a, I believe, a flight stick, I believe. Uh, after playing a lot of uh, MS flight simulators, I wanted to list a game that represented both new experiences for me. So being both a flight sim and using the stick and VR. Uh, Star Wars Squadrons is not a super great game. Stories mediocre. Characters are non-existent. But in VR, it's a joy. Dogfighting in VR where you can turn your head around to look where enemies are is just an entirely different thing. You get a visceral sense of your place in the world. And I love shouting, all power to the shields. Nice. All right. And his disappointment of the year marvel's spider-man i played worse games this year saints oh, row incorrect oh. but okay incorrect but okay puts the dagger right in your back incorrect. right there before it's he closes fine. out it's the fine. show it's dagger and carlos is back it's fine it's incorrect but this was a big disappointment that also represents a lot of what's wrong with current AAA gaming while i really liked the traversal the way it vomits a million useless collectibles whose icons turn the map into a pointillistic nightmare really turned me off and elliot oh i i agree 100 percent I thought Spider-Man was great in some ways, but it's also awful in the ways that you mentioned as well. So. And I'll, I, I disagree with Saints Row, but I agree with you on Spider-Man because I felt like that. I just didn't want all that stuff on the map. It was boring. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. All right, and there we go, folks. Oh. That is the show, 2022, wrapped up. Cherry on top. Put a bow on it. It's all done. We're going to put it up on the shelf. And this was one for the history books, folks. We got there. We got there. Long show. How are you feeling, we Carlos? We did it. I'm tired. I need like, tired water. I need to lay down, I think. And the um, sandwich but yeah something. and weirdly enough even the, even though we just talked about games for two plus hours i want to play some games now some new games <laughs> i gotta do too i gotta yeah. get back to evil west i'm loving that right now or i'm sorry weird west my bad weird yes west. anyway folks all right this is a show that's a year that's a wrap up as always let us know your questions and comments hit us up so video games podcast at gmail.com we're on twitter at so video games we're on instagram at so video games podcast and you can also hit us up individually carlos where are we sending your traffic this week Come check me out on TikTok. It's just my name, Carl Sardello. And that's it for me. All right. And I am uh, still on Twitter at the moment. I'm still on Instagram. I'm on co-host as well, although not as often. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And this is going to do it for episode 317, also known as the 2022 Game of the Year podcast. Thank you all for joining us here and getting through this monster episode. And we'll see you next year, which is also... We'll see, see you next week. week. No, wait, do it again. Do it again. I thought we we'll, did it again. No, no, no. I was off. Do okay. It. And we'll see, see you next week. week. Ah, it's too slow. Let's do it faster. Well, how do we do it? Do it Give me, do give, it tell me it first. You say first. All right. Do the. <laughs> now, I'm just, I'm just going to listen to you. Watch. I'm gonna just... And we'll see you next week. Okay, here we go. Ready? Go. Right, ready? And, and we'll, we'll see you, see you next, next week. week. Hey, you hey, slowed it right. down. You just slowed it down. <laughs> all right, folks. Bye bye. It's over. It's over.